tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything if you want to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show this morning, Cahill from Ireland's Weather Channel will join me in just a few moments' time. Additionally, on Taoiseach Leo Vradkar has warned that nobody has the right to veto who lives in their community and listeners will share their views on that. The ESRI's findings that most nursing homes are controlled by private uh, for-profit operators will also be discussed on the show today. And of course our agony aunt, uh, Phil Prendergast, will uh, respond to listeners' letters. Ali will delve into the strange events that occurred in the US on New Year's Day for this week's uh, Conspiracy Files as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 83 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. A look at some of your newspapers today. The front page is the Irish Examiner, leading with uh, the story that the cost of providing care in nursing homes may increase in the coming years due to the dominance of private supply in the system, the RSI, or ESRI even, has warned. A new report on the challenges facing the long-term residential care sector said that 14 medium to large operators now dominate the supply of beds in the Irish system, and we will discuss that on the programme later on today as well. A great photograph uh, on the front of the examiner and a similar photograph of most of the newspapers today of Killian Murphy at the Golden Globes uh, in uh, Beverly Hills on Sunday night where he took home the award for Best Actor for his role in Oppenheimer. It was a very happy photograph indeed. The Irish Times dominated by the same photograph and indeed they're running with that story about the nursing homes as well. They're also telling us that fears that leading players from Ireland's COVID response may lawyer up uh, could see plans to install a judge as chair of the pandemic inquiry uh, dropped and uh, let's have a look at the Irish Independent. And again, a story of a uh, Kill- uh, uh, photograph of Killian Murphy, this time with his uh, lovely wife, Yvonne, indeed attending the Golden Globes in LA. But uh, the main story on the front of the Indo, thousands of consumers on some of the best value health insurance plans are facing huge increases in premiums. And the hikes have not been publicly announced by the insurers. But VHI has increased the cost of 12 of its corporate uh, plans by up to 10% in a move that will cost families up to 480 euro if they renew on the very same scheme. So that's a look at what's making headlines today. If you want to make comment on any of that, again, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 083 311 Now, it's yellow uh, temperature and ice warning still in place for the entire country until 10am. And Cahill Nolan of Ireland's Weather Channel joins me now. Good morning to you, Cahill. A very good morning, Fran. And uh, where I live in West Tipperary, we had some snow uh, overnight and around the Hollyford area and the Anacarty area. But it, it's not quite as cold, I gather, as was uh, expected. 
It certainly isn't as cool this morning as was expected. And the main reason behind that is last night we did see quite a large bag of cloud pushing in off the Irish Sea. And indeed, that did bring a dusting of snow to some parts of Cork, Waterford and into Wexford at times last night. But that blanket of cloud, essentially it acts a little bit like an electric duvet, really. It keeps the temperatures that bit warmer. It doesn't let the air radiate back up into the atmosphere, cooling the ground. So with that, we did see those temperatures remain close to or just above freezing for most last night. So certainly a respite, you could say, from the very cold conditions that we've seen over the past couple of days. So what can we expect later today and for the next few days then, Carl? Well, today we're starting to see that cloud break up in places already and indeed for the day itself, gentle easterly breezes with good sunny spells developing in places. Now, the only thing about that is it means that during tonight we will see those temperatures fall away and they will get below zero in many parts of the county tonight, dipping as low as minus three, maybe minus four in some parts. So again, a renewed risk of some icy patches on roads and certainly sharp to severe frost. Now, going into the next couple of days, it's very similar, really. There's subtle changes, but we'll talk about them. Really, the high pressure remains in control. And with that, we remain dry predominantly and cold. The clouds will have an impact in terms of whether we see those icy or frosty conditions at night or not. Probably through Wednesday night into Thursday, less of a risk of frost, but then increasing again after Friday and through the weekend. As we get into the weekend, though, that we start to see what probably will be the next phase of this cold spell, and it's a particularly difficult one to forecast, as it does mean there's an increased risk of snow as we start to see a combination, really, of, of an Arctic blast coming down from the north, bringing with it snow showers at times to northern areas, but at the same time, there's the risk of low pressure pushing up from the south, and where that interacts with the colder air, it could lead to some snowfalls also. But it's worth emphasising quite a bit of time away still and it's a very unpredictable situation. Cahal, we always appreciate your time and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Thank you. Good morning to you, Cahal. Bye-bye now. Pleasure as always. That's uh, Cahal Nolan there of Ireland's Weather Channel with the latest on uh, the uh, weather. Um, if you have weather conditions to report to us, in fact, we'd love to hear from you on uh, 083 As I say, around uh, Anna Carty this morning, some snow on the car when I got out and I was talking to a lady in Dundrum who said around Holyford they certainly had uh, some flurries of snow overnight as well. Now, and no one has the right to veto who lives in their community, the Taoiseach has warned. Leo Bradcar's comments came in response to a series of recent protests at buildings in various parts of the country, earmarked, of course, to house asylum seekers. Now, there's uh, also been arson attacks on several buildings proposed as accommodation locations for international protection applicants. On Friday, a protest was held outside of a, a hotel in Ballon Robe in uh, County Mayo over plans to use the premises to house 50 adult male asylum seekers, even though there's debate about whether that was the initial intention at the moment. But Vicky was in touch and she joins me now. Good morning to you, Vicky. Good morning, Fran. How are you? Uh, good, good to talk to you today. First of all, can I ask you about that, uh, that uh, the Taoiseach saying nobody has the right to veto who lives in their community. Do you, do you go along with that? No. I, listen, nobody in Ireland goes along with that, in a sense. You know, I think the first thing I'd like to ask is when did this country become a dictatorship? And I think, his, I think that's a very sweeping statement that people are vetoing it. I think if you have a concern, you should be allowed to raise it. Not a veto. Mm. It's, it's genuinely people are afraid. Fallon robe. 
those people got that information from what I've seen on social media, etc., on Friday evening through their local representative, that those mails were coming in on Monday. The people of Ballinrobe then said, you know, we'd have no issue with women and children from Ukraine or any other country, you know, Georgia, Albania, or any of those other places that are seeking refuge here. And now I believe there's been a U-turn, and that is what has happened, that the um, the males that were meant to go in aren't going in, and that the owner of the property has agreed mm. to house women and children or families. And I think there's a bit but, of a turnaround on that now, as far as I know, Vicky, that uh, the government's saying that the intention in the first place was to house uh, families, not males. But uh, I don't think that people are going along with that notion, to be honest with you. But, uh, no, because if you go along to any... If you if you go through comments and stuff on social media, and, and I was looking at the Arlingford Says No One, and um, you obviously you're aware of that. There's a big protest in Arlingford at the moment. Yeah. People are saying that are coming into the comments, don't believe what you're being told. We were told the same, only to turn around and in fact it is males are being bought in in the middle of the night, like in Ballon Robe, I watched the video, the live that the girl was doing up there. Half past two in the morning, two gentlemen arrived with keys to go into that establishment. Why did they have to come out at half past two in the morning? Apparently driving from Kilkenny. It was very well, strange. Why, why do you think, Vicky? Why do you, why do you think that's the case? Because I think that they know that the, the feeling on the ground is that the locals do not want them to go in there. That, you know, until... Part of Leo Varadkar's statement that I saw published was that, um, you know, it's, we should have consultation and information mm. given. Mm. So that would be great if you actually went out and you did that with people. But there is no information. It's the same with that Abbey Bill House below in Fermoy. There's 56 men meant to be going in there. And the thing about Ireland is they can say that that's not the intention. But what you have is local lads are doing up these, you know, local builders, etc. They're hearing from other people who are going in. And Ireland is great for talking. So people find out the information. Do you know what I mean? It's word of mouth. It gets out. Mm. Now, some of it is probably wrong. There is misinformation given. There is stuff stirred up. Mm. You know, but look, you take Mona home, mm. where I'm living. And he said that, you know, there's a, one of the things that really outraged me was he used the women's refuges that are that the people have used to object to them. There's 21 women's refuges in the whole of Ireland. Mm. Greatly underfunded. I think it was a dirty tactic to use that, to be quite honest. I don't, I've never heard of a community and, objecting to a women's refuge. And in, in terms of the information as well, my understanding of that is I mean, the the shirt making the point, yeah, communities should be more informed, but it's not to yeah. give them a yay or nay in terms of providing accommodation, it's just to give them information on what services will be put in place to uh, back up the decision to put asylum seekers there. So it's not giving communities um, a, a choice. No, and this is why I say it's a dictatorship. You're being, you're, you're, you're being basically told. Right. You're not being asked, you're just Would you told. see, Vicky, if you do give communities a choice, inevitably they will say, no, not in my backyard. So... What happens then? Well, I think it should be more gradual. As I was going to say, you take Mullahorn. We have a Dutch family, we've South African, we've Afghan, we've Latvian, all living in our community. Mm. There's no issue. We've had people mm. from Madagascar running the local chip shop. We've had, we have a wide diversity. I- integrated. I believe, integrated into integrated. the Integrated. Yes. 
yes. And it's not just... And, and he also mentioned people vetoing travellers. We have local travellers have settled, you know, had mm. social housing in our village. Mm. There's no objection to that. You don't see the locals going down, going mad over it. I think if it's proportionate to the area and it's integrated, as you said, there's no objection to that. But when you are being told on a Friday evening that 50 men are going right next door to a crash in Ballon Road, given what went on in Dublin, I think everybody in that community has the right to question it. And it's not vetoing it. It's just saying, hold on a minute, this isn't really okay and we're not comfortable with this. Could you just stop for and a minute? And Vicky, will you answer me something? Because I heard this in passing on national radio this morning where the uh, interviewer made made the point, what is wrong with single men? Now, I thought it was a rather strange question, but can you answer it for me? Like, you know, if you hear that 50 single men are moving into an area, what what is the fear there? What Can you just, can you tell me what that yeah. is? Particularly from a woman's point of view. We'll call a spade a spade. Most of the men that are coming into this country are unvetted, military-aged, between 18 to 25 years of age. They're being given 38 euros whatever. Any of the social media things that you're watching, these men are loitering around outside. It's intimidating. Mm. It's frightening for women. We don't need to literally lay it out on the line. But women are afraid of being attacked. They're being afraid of being assaulted. They have to walk past with their children. There's lewd comments made. I'm on a course in Kilkenny and a group of women I'm with, you know, we vary in age from our late 20s up to our 40s, 50s, you know. And uh, there was a story during the summer that came back on our course. We were discussing something else. There was a group of women that I know sat in the Castle Park in Kilkenny, enjoying the sun during the summer. And the security guard for Kilkenny Castle Park came up and asked the ladies to move. And they said, why? And there was a gentleman, I, I won't say what he was doing on national radio, but needless to say, it was lewd behaviour in the bushes, watching them. And they were told to move rather than the guards be rang and him arrested for his behaviour. That's what women are afraid of. You know, they're they're bored, they're frustrated, they've nothing to do, they've nowhere to go, they have no money to do anything. So what's going to happen? Like in Erlingford, if... Yeah. if and is I it fair know. to say, is it fair to say, Vicky, that, you know, 50 men, single guys of that age that you're making reference to there, from yeah. anywhere, even if it was from Dublin or wherever of in an course. area, would would cause the same issues or the same issues would be relevant. Right. It's well, look, I, I, I believe they would. I wouldn't walk into a place where there was 50 men or walk past a building where I knew there was 50 men in, on my own. Do you know what I mean? Or, and I certainly wouldn't expect anybody else to do it. Mm. I think that's what the fear is. Look, people are entitled to their fears, but for the Taoiseach to come out and say that we can't veto it, I don't know. As he said, nobody in a free society, nobody in a democracy has a right to exercise a veto on who moves into their area or community. And he went on to say that doesn't just apply to international protection. Yeah. Mm. We don't have a choice then. We just have to go along with it. Is that, that's what he's saying. You just have to do as you're told. But um, we're taxpayers, we're property taxpayers, you know... Well, basically what he's saying is that people like you, Vicky, if you don't mind my saying mm-hmm. so, that you're mm-hmm. misinformed in some way about this. I don't think anyone in the country is misinformed. Look, under the Lisbon Treaty, Ireland has no obligation to accept any refugees. I, I, I touched on this before. 
there was the, the whole um, European Commission adopted proposals on migration mm. in 2015. Mm. Member states were asked to resettle 20,000 over two years. Mm. Ireland, from 2019 to date, has resettled 249,257. That's on a search based on figures that was online. In 2022, we took in 81,256, and in April to 2023, up to April in the same year, 141,600. How can Ireland keep doing that? You know, it's not that people are... We're not misinformed. You can look up your information. You can find it out. We don't have to take these people in. We are taking them in. The vast majority of people are not complaining about it. When you have small villages and towns like Ballinrobe and Erlingford being inundated with large groups of people, they're allowed to query it. That's all I'd be saying to the Taoiseach. And do, do you feel that in other places, I mean, we're delighted to have you on today with your opinions and give you a platform to do that. Do, do you feel in other places that people are not getting a platform to voice um, I what, genuinely what the people think are saying, people are scared. I think they're scared to say it, that they don't want to come out as... And, and I, I don't think anyone is saying anything racist. And There's no connotations to this. It is just uh, the fact, as you said, 50 men going in anywhere mm. is intimidating. From, from, they, from anywhere. Like, from anywhere. Know, it's, yeah. 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 So I, I think people don't speak because they don't want to be seen as anti-anything. We're a very, you know, it's a welcoming country. We're a kind country. You know, the, the response to the Ukraine crisis has been amazing across the board. And But enough is enough. It becomes, you know, how many more can we take? And as people have said time and time again, you look at all these buildings that are being repurposed, why couldn't it have been done for the Irish homeless? And that's, answer, answer your own problem. question there. Why, why do you think it wasn't done? Or why wasn't that passion there to do something about what is now 14,000 um, Irish people I honestly, that are homeless? I honestly don't know. I don't think the appetite was there. I don't think... I, th- I don't honestly know. I think it's disgusting. It's a failure on everyone's part, really. I can't answer that one. And in the coming elections, Vicky, um, the discussion that we're having, how how big a deal is that going to be? Enormous, to be honest. Do you think so? Uh, my husband doesn't think that there's a political party in the country that he would vote for, that he'd be comfortable voting for. He's very disillusioned. Is that because of the stance on emigration? I think it's a stance on a lot of things. Yeah. One of his big cruxes is that, you know, while you're looking after all of these people coming in and how great it is of this country to do it, what about our own children? What about... There's there's 200... I don't know how many young people there are in the country. What's going to happen to them? You're going to have a whole generation of 30-something-year-olds living at home with mammy and daddy because they can't afford to rent. They can't... There is no accommodation to rent. Or, so or, about those? or We're in, exporting in, a, in our own case, are gone out of this country, Vicky, you know? Yep, yep. Yeah. Leaving in swathes. I mean, the, every week you have, you see parents waving them off at goodbye parties in all the local pubs. They're all going to Australia. They're all going to, you know, Canada, places like that. They're, they're not staying here because there's nothing for them. Why should they? Why would they? And I, I spoke to you before, Fred, and I told you my 16-year-old is already talking about leaving the country. So I don't know. I don't, there's no there's no party I that I would vote for, as I've said, I, I'd be voting independent because I do, I've no trust in them, no faith in them, really don't. 
And according to the recent uh, polls, the independent vote has increased uh, considerably in the Sunday Indo por- uh, uh, paper uh, poll. That's no surprise to you, I guess, then, Vicky, is it? No, not at all. No, they're the only people who are doing anything. Mm. But still, at the end of the day, what can they do except oppose what the government puts in place? Uh, you know, but they're not dictating the legislation because they can't. So No, no. I don't know what the answer is, but coming out with sweeping statements that we can't veto, and you know, in in a you know a de- democratic country, but sure, how is it democratic when he's telling us what we can and can't do? You know, it's it's, it's ridiculous. They come out. Listen, I have very little faith in it, but people have concerns. They're allowed to raise them and they're allowed to voice them. And the Erlingford um, protest that's going on at the moment again, there's very little information. Nobody really knows what's going on. And he's saying, if they're given the information, well, come down then and give the, the locals the information. Tell them what's going on then. You wouldn't have the protest. Yeah, because the kind of information people would like is, what plans are in place to give these people something to do? What services are going to be in place to occupy them on a daily basis that they needn't congregate around towns or around town mm-hmm. centres or whatever? That's the kind of information. But, but I mean, that doesn't seem to be the case either, nope. you know, so... Um, no. All right, Vicky, great to talk to you and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us, Vicky. Thank you. No uh, problem, Brent. Have a good day. Good, good morning take to care. you. You too. Uh, we'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Drive Time with Owen Lonergan later today at 3pm Upcoming gigs at the Glen Eagle INEC Arena including Celine Byrne Cleanna Hagen, Seamus Begley Weekends, Take It to the Limit a celebration of the Eagles, the High Kings Nathan Carter, Pat and Faye Short, Tom Davis, Frankie Boyle, the Gathering Festival of Music and lots more. Check out INEC.ie for our 2024 lineup. Hi, Oliver Mohan here from the Heart Skoda, your choice for Skoda for 241 in Tipperary. We have amazing low-rate finance offers available across all our cars, from our Kodiak, Karak and Kamik SUVs to the ever-popular Octavia and Superb, along with the all-electric Enyaq range. So now is the time to order your new Skoda for January and avoid disappointment. Check out our website at lehearts.ie, visit me for a test drive on the Powerstone Road in Clonmel, or call me on 052-6180-323. Finance is provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland Limited. Terms and conditions apply. Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Thinking of a night course this January? College of Further Education and Training Mulgrave Street Campus is now enrolling for programmes. Visit collegeofet.ie slash Mulgrave and click on the part-time apply link for details on a range of new January 24 programmes. Find the best in you with Mulgrave Street Campus Limerick. Hertz Car Sales. Call in to any of our five locations for massive discounts on hundreds of nearly new cars, all with manufacturer's warranty included. Instant finance available. Drive away today with cars from as little as €39 per week. Visit hertzcarsales.ie. Terms apply. The TUI Live Happy Sale is here. 
with savings of up to €250 Euro per booking. Free child places, even in the school summer holidays. Plus low booking deposits from €50 Euro per person. With holidays to suit all budgets. Relax and get booking. Tui. Live happy. Offer T's and C's apply. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, a big reaction uh, to uh, that conversation with uh, Vicky, and I will go back to that uh, in just uh, a little while. But, of course, uh, again, right across the newspapers today, news that Ukrainians who come to Ireland from later on this month will be trained and supported to find work, and new Ukrainian arrivals will have their welfare cut uh, later this month uh, after the Cabinet approves laws for lower rates today. Um, the, the government has decided to cut weekly payments of €232 Euro to €38.80. Now, that's in line with uh, what asylum seekers uh, currently receive in direct uh, provision. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, uh, works out. 83 Now, one Clonmel resident, Sean, has been in touch with us regarding concerns about water in his home, and he joins me now. Sean, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are we doing? I'm, I'm very well indeed, Sean, but you're not because of your situation. Will you tell us the story about water in your home and what's been going on, Sean? Well, um, say four and a half months ago, I contacted Irish Water, right, because my the water in the kitchen, the tap, the cold tap, was going down the whole time. And I couldn't understand it. I said, they must be cutting back the water a bit. So as time went on anyway, got worse and worse. And eventually then, I had no water whatsoever in the cold tap. So I rang Irish Water, and that's about four and a half months ago, probably about the middle of September, and I got onto the receptionist anyway. It took a long time now to get through to my friend before mm. I got got through to him at all. So the, this girl comes on here, I explained my case, and I said, look, I said, I'm a seller. I said, look, I'm heading for 72, and I'm 72 now. I said, I live in a house of my own there. I said, I have no water, can't flush the toilet, I can't use a washing machine, can't have a shower, I said. Right, and she said, oh, that's terrible, all this kind of thing. So she registered, she put down my registered um, number and said, I will put the name forward for uh, for one of the lads to call out. Mm. So after a couple of weeks, anyway, I got this call. I happened to be in the north at the time and, of a Friday, and the fellow said, are you Sean Callan? I said, I am, yeah. He said, I'm from Irish Water. I was scared, and I said, that. He said, I'm outside your door. Well, I said, that's no good to me because I'm in the north because I never got no... Um, Got no message saying that he was calling to me how I sent me or, or even a message from Irish Water, mm. right? So that was not in any way. So he said I'd meet up with you another time. So he rang me another day, then probably about a week after, two weeks after, and said he'd meet me at my house. He came to my house anyway, and he he put the machine up to the manhole outside. It's the main water hole. Yes. So he could hear the water flushing. He could hear like like a river flowing underneath. And he says, look, I'll get someone out to fix that anyway. So Within a couple of weeks, another couple of weeks again, so a crew came along to my house, truck, lorry, the whole lot. I said, I'm going to give this place a right digging altogether. So they dug, the man, they dug out the manhole cover to cut out a square and cut kind of diagonal to the wall, but didn't go near enough to the wall. But they dug down and the was then down to the main, because the main pipe was there mm. for the water in the area. And uh, there was what's called it. They couldn't find the leak. So I said, it's probably in the garden, you know what I mean? Yes. 
And he said to me, we can't go into the garden. And I says, um, I says, why is that, he says. He said, because he said, um, we have to pay for it, you know. And first of all, I said, um, listen, lads, I said, I'm, I'm 72-year-old, I says, and you, you, you're asking me, he said, well, they weren't asking me, Percy, themselves, they're, they're just the workers, like. Yeah. But he said, no, he said, uh, we can't go inside your wall. I said, how are you going to find a leak? He says, uh, well, he says, uh, for a start, you'll have, to, you'll have to get back to Irish water. So I kind of nearly cracked up at that stage, you know what I mean? So that was nothing. They dug that hole, left that hole there open, but covered it over with bollards and, and boards. Mm for the guts for a week and a half. And um, so I was away down in Cork again when I came back anyway. The lads were across the road or after putting in three metres or whatever. So I said to myself, well, any news on my place across the road? And he says, no, Sean. He says, I said, you'll have to ring Irish water. And I said, this is getting to be a comic stage. Wow. This, you know, yeah. it's a joke, like. So um, so I got back on to Irish water anyway. And she told me, see, one of the lads told me there's a thing called I fell in the council and Carmel talk, there's, there's a, a first fix, he said, and it's free. Yes. And I said, for a start, I said, I won't be paying that in any way. I said, I, I have this house, I said, rented out to corporation for the last 35 years. I'm paying me rent since then, I says. And I says, I will not be paying anything for inside or outside my house. Mm. I made it quite clear. I said, I have a heart condition and that. Even one guy suggested that I dig it out myself and look for the pipe. Are you serious? Yeah, do you mean, I mean, that, that, that's a, that, that's a, a joke, like. You know, but I mean, you, age, co- you couldn't even be certain as to where the leak is. Don't mind to say anything else. I mean... Huh? Well, the pipes are going along... They were able to tell me the pipes are going along by the wall. So I said, why one of them actually get a show? But no, they're just... They're, they're hell-bound. Yes, they can't it's, it's outside of your, your, your wall, yeah. yeah. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So that was not in any way, so... I actually rang up again then, so I, I, I acquired this first fix with this girl. She just said to me, there was someone out to see you, Sean, is registered now, right? That was, what? That was about a good eight weeks ago. Mm. So I said, there'd be something along. And I, was, and I was kind of thinking to myself, this is not going to be fixed before Christmas. I'm not going to have a drop of water in the house. And the next minute, anyway, nothing happened anyway. So I rang after Christmas there, last Thursday morning. It took me a while. I got through to this guy anyway. He came along. I gave him my name. I addressed the whole lot. And he could not find a thing about me for about 10 minutes. And he comes back to me. He said, uh, Sean, he says, you're down here, he says, as case closed. What? Right? Case closed, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, that, and that's a joke, friend. Like, case closed. You know closed. what I mean? I, I, yeah. I have to go to my daughter's house to use the... Use the the toilet, yeah. we say, right? So, so currently, you have no cold water in your house, is that it? I have you... no cold water in my house whatsoever. In the night time around half half one, every night, for about the guts of it, probably an hour, an hour and a half, you'll hear water going through the walls, up into the into the, into mm. the tank, right? Yes. I can put on the heat in my house because there's water in the radiators all the time, right? Yeah. But a shower you can't use. But you get some of the experts saying you can use a shower, you can't. But except... If there's no water in your bath, how can there be water in the shower? Well, you, you know what I mean? You'd imagine so that. Can't. Can't, why why aren't you in touch, though, with the local authority, Sean? Because, I mean, you're renting the house from them, so they I have an obligation. House, yeah, but I was, I was told I'd be, I'm banging my head off a wall, but after this, I will be approaching the county council myself. 
Yeah. I was told, I mean, be, the first thing I'd be told in the county council, this is what I'm being taught now from people, that previous problems are not as bad as mine probably, but they said that uh, you're banging your head off the wall, Sean. You'd be told inside actually to go away. But you, you have more information now, Sean, in that well, Irish Water have told you that it's not their problem, that it's your problem, but it's not. It's your landlord and who happens to be the, uh, no, the local cannot, authority. Be, yes, the, the county council. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. But my man said to me now, he said, the first weeks, like I said, I rang, and I said, I said to my man, where will you be able to do this first weeks? Well, he gave me a reference number away for a phone call. I can't promise you. He said it could be a couple of months. Now, that is a joke. So after today, I'm going a lot more. I'll be visiting the county council office in the morning, mm. and, and I want to just get an answer. I'm a tenant in one of their houses. Yeah. I can't mm. see why in the name of God, at 72 years of age, just imagine, like, look, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a widower. I buried my missus 38 years ago, right? And we say, like, like the thing about it is that... Um, it's it's I'd hate to be a couple in my house. Yeah, yeah. Probably even older, probably around the same age. You know, I'm not to have no water. I have to do this every day for the last four and a half months up and down the middle to have a shower the whole lot. And you and you have health thing. issues, Sean. I have a heart condition actually. I yeah. have a heart condition. I have the the papers to back it up like right, you know. So you you don't thing. need the, the, the stress. The local representatives tend to listen to the programme every so often, Sean. What what would you say to them? How do you mean? Uh, like the councillors who might be listening this morning. The well, I said a lot of councils. There's a lot of councils out there, and I know my own heart and soul like that. You just don't care. Like uh, the way I looked at the job is, as a councillor, a councillor gets into a job now. I, some of them think they're made. I know they're not getting humongous money, but then again, you have some of the TDs that are getting money, and they don't care about the normal person. You know what I mean? That's my honest opinion, friend. You know yeah, what I mean? That's that's uh, how you feel, Sean. That's how I feel because yeah. I dealing with TDs before. Well, there is one man in Clamel back in the day helping me out. That would have been Seamus Healy. Hmm. Back yeah. in the early days, you know, and Seamus was a good man. You know what I mean? And I'd, I'd yeah. actually be going to see him as well. He, but he knows about the problem anyway. You well, know what I mean? let, let's put it out there, Sean, and let's see if we can get some response uh, to yeah, this because, for you because that's it, that's not acceptable. That's just no, it's not, not acceptable. acceptable. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's even rumours going around the town now that even Irish Water wants to do away with the reservoirs. And we say, like, and I don't want to change from Irish Water to Ishgair. Mm. I mean, they have a place out there in Monroe now, we say, out the Federal Road. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reservoir, and they're using that in Giant's Grave. And that's that's supporting all them factories. I mean, that's going if, if they do that to the whole Tipperary County, right, that's going to cause big problems with, you know, years ago, like, the tasks were full of linemen. Some people yeah. thought it was a great thing. It's not because it destroys kettles, it destroys washing machines. Mm. You know, it, it is, um, it's not good because I think actually, I think Irish Water, have, or I don't know, I think, you know, it, when, when the private, when, when they leave companies like that, take it over. I mean, back in the day, if you had a problem with the council, you had, if you had a problem in your house, I remember these back donkey jails, right? I remember if you, if you had a problem with, say, with a, a leak or atom, yeah. the, the lads, the old lads used to come up. They'd either be up that day or be up the next day yeah. and it'd be fixed. And, and they and knew said, they knew everybody and they knew they the knew area. And, yeah, yeah, I know. and yeah. it should be put back into their hands again because it's keeping local employment. I mean, at the moment, you don't know who's coming to mm. fix what because mm. you're not guaranteed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, look, 
And, you, and your experience of trying to make phone calls is very difficult, Sean. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, it, it's just crazy because yeah. I can imagine, look, I put out a thing there on Facebook saying anyone else in Ellen Park there, Church Road is the road I'm living on. Yeah. And there's friends of mine up the road there. And they said they can't even get some of them to call, to call them. That's very bad. Well, Sean, we're putting it out there and we'll see if we get a response from some of the local representatives on this and see if they can't help you out where this is concerned. Is that okay, Sean? Yeah, that's lovely, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like, just to highlight it anyway, Fran, you know? I, 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 mean, like I was it. just doing the sums there, Sean. You must have lost your wife when, when you were both very young. Yeah, that's my wife, Eileen, yeah. She was only 34. She died of cancer, Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah, my she, God. and I had four kids from Eileen and, uh, well, look, thanks for the God. They all got on and... Uh, they watch God. They all and they all have done very well. There's one or two of them have their own business as well. Like it's it's um, excellent. The good the good well, children. Great, and, great, great know, credit to you. But that that must it, have been very difficult. It was difficult. Like but as the fella said, like you know, like my eldest daughter, I owe her a lot too. Like she read them when I was off trying doing a bit of work as well. Yeah. Like she was only eleven. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and you know, and you know, they have looked for today because they're all doing very well. Thanks for the job. Well, I'm delighted to hear it, Sean, and I hope you'll be doing very well soon. We'll see what well, we I can do where that is. Well, I tell you, this is this is a lot of stress and all this. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to approach the council in the morning, and I'll, I'll go down and see and see what kind of answers I get there. You know oh. what I mean? Well, Sean, you might let us know what answers you get, and we'll see what we can get for you as well. Is that yeah. okay? And another thing, Franny, would you mind me saying, like, sure. if if anyone has a complaint about it, what they, sh- what they actually should do, actually, is phone in themselves. Now, I know the phone call takes the hair, because I can't phone in for, say, for 30 or 100 people. There's 300 houses in Ellen Park. Mm. And, and some people don't actually don't want to complain. Do you understand, Franny, yeah. say? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I and, and the sad part about it is, if everyone rings in on their own, but then again, like a friend of mine up the road said, if there's nobody called, it's a joke, isn't it? Right, so you're you're saying that people, if you're affected, or indeed if you want to join in uh, this this protest, I suppose, because you're protesting about what's wrong with you. Well, well, the way I look at it now is, the, I, I I got involved in the Irish, in, in the in the in the water protest yeah. back in the days yeah. in Ellen Park at the very end because we're busy walking away in that right. Yeah, and I got involved then, and fair play to the lads back then. You know, like they stood up the Irish water back then and stopped a lot of stuff, but I I think. Irish water are gone down a wrong road. I, I think personally that I say, like, you will see protests again. I think people should because there's an awful lot of stack there because the, the government are subsidising it. And the thing about it, these guys are on top money. There's like 210 guys in Irish waters on 100,000 a year. Wow. You know what I mean? And they're leaving out the work then to other people. It's just, it's not workable because, like I said, I think with, with all the lime going into the water, don't. If they're trying to change back to that way, it's ridiculous. Like, give the work back to the county council and the corporation and we'll have a better society because it's been tore asunder at the moment. All right. Everywhere and everywhere. Sean, I must leave it there, but you look after yourself, Sean. We'll see what we can get where that's concerned. Is that OK? Yeah, no problem. Right. Thanks, Thanks Sean. Much, real real pleasure. Thank you and good right. morning to you. That's uh, Sean Callanan there uh, from Ellen Park in Clanmel. We'll take a break back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie We've been chatting uh, yesterday on the programme about the Agriculture Minister, Charlie McConnell, 
Um, he was calling on restaurants to cut down on the amount of food that they put on people's plates in response to the amount of food waste generated by the food service industry in Ireland. Now, one of our listeners, Siobhan, joins me now. Siobhan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fred. How are you? Um, I'm good, Siobhan. How good. do you feel about this, um, cutting down on the amount uh, that the restaurants <laughs> are giving Excuse us? Me. Slightly shocked in a way because I'm looking at the amount of restaurants that have closed down recently mm. and putting less on people's plates where they're already feeling maybe this is a bit of a treat going out for this and this is something nice. But we had two, we'll say, that Chinese on... Thomas Street in Cork closed over the weekend. It's been there over 40 years. Mm. Um, Pigal, another lovely restaurant in Cork, closed as well. I think putting less on people's plates is going to deter them from going out. And is that um, because you think we associate the amount we get on the plate with value or good value? Is, is that... No, no. I think um, you go into a Michelin star restaurant, you're going to get a very small bit on the plate, mm. yes. but you're going to get extremely good quality. Mm. Um, yes. You're at fine dining, a different level. Yes, and the you're presentation is perfect and all of that. It's yeah. perfect, yeah. everything like that. All those people that create those dishes have to be paid. Mm. Um, then the cafe kind of thing. Uh, the general farmer that goes in for his breakfast is not going to say, oh, I ha- think he's getting value with one sausage. Yes, yes. Right. Um, you've got to kind of... Mm. go towards your clientele and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I do think that the government is trying to legislate a little bit too much. Restaurants are at their own discretion on what they can afford to put on the plates. They're trying to attract a customer base, uh, keep a customer base. Their rents, rates, everything like that, power, everything is going up all the time. Mm. So they need to attract new business. And by you coming out of any restaurant and saying, geez, the price is that, and I had, I nearly needed a snack box after it. Yeah, and, and Charlie McConnell, he must have a bird's appetite because he says that he's constantly um, making the point to people in restaurants that there's too much food on his plate. <laughs> I was going to say maybe he's on Ozempic or Satsender, one of the, <laughs> the weight loss injections. <laughs> but. Definitely, I don't think that is the case. I think restaurants have to, they have to cover their costs. They have to mm. be, they're not, nobody's going to put a 10-ounce steak on if he can only afford an 8-ounce. Mm. And they're trying to, they're trying to keep a, the the cafe market, it, it's, a, it's each individual person. Mm. And it's, again, it's what restaurant you go into. And can I ask you, Siobhan, for instance, in the home, are you conscious of waste? Is it something yes. you try and control? We do in that we started doing, because we're both out working and stuff like that, we started doing a lot of cooking at the weekend, batch freezing, stuff like that, so that we're coming into a proper meal. But by the same token, with only two people in the house, it might be as handy to stop somewhere on the way home Mm. and have your Mm. dinner. But it's just by the time you get in, get the fires lit, the winter, the whole lot, everything's so busy. And you want to sit down in your own house for a few minutes rather than sitting in a restaurant. But I am way more cautious. It's down to the prices in the supermarket as well. Mm. Everything has gone up so much that you're looking and you're going, hmm, mm. do we want that now? Do we really need... We could have pasta two nights a week. We could have a curry two nights a week. It's, and it, it doesn't have to come from the Chinese. It can, 
it's just as easy to, to throw yeah. together yourself. And that's your so, experience, Siobhan, that everything has gone up, that the cost of living has soared. Oh, soared completely. Yeah. Even down to Fran, when we were kids, that's a few years ago. The size of a Mars bar was completely different to the size of one now. Yeah. Everything is everything is either shrinking or trying to get perceived that it's the same, but it's not. But the prices um, aren't shrinking. The prices are... Oh, the prices are, are going, going up, up and up. Yeah. Yeah, up and up. So definitely, I don't know where Charlie McConnell is coming out. But I think the government are trying to control everything. If you go in to buy a bottle of wine, yeah. a 0% bottle of wine, at now, this morning, mm. just with your general shopping, they won't serve it. No, not until half 12, I think, is Not it? until half 12, which yeah. is the same as... The VAT is the same on Heineken Zero as it is the VAT is 23% on a Heineken Zero. It's zero on a Coca-Cola. So why should you be penalised with that yeah, extra no, price? In fairness, I heard Senator Garda Hearn coming out against that and saying that something had to be done. I mean, if you're out for the night and you're the designated driver and you're you're drinking Heineken Zero or Guinness Zero or something like that, why why should you be paying the full whack of fat on something? Like exactly. With no alcohol it's, in it. It's a bit ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? It is. It's crazy. And I think even down to the bill of briquettes in the shop. Yeah. The Irish places are closed and we're bringing in pellets from Lithuania. Yeah. Quilts aren't opening the forest, but we're bringing in timber from Poland and everywhere else. It's They've got the green mindset, but they're not doing anything really green to keep, to reflect it. Yeah. Even I'd seen on the back of a packet of green Isle fish yesterday, um, one of those catch our supermarket brand fish very popular mm. but um, fished in the Pacific Ocean and but to get processed in Poland but it's got a you know, well, well, what the the, the impression is that it's it's Irish is, is that it Siobhan? the impression is it's Irish but mm. going back three years ago that same piece of fish was a two inch thick piece of cod mm. this is a uh, five mil piece of pollock and you're charged the same price for it. Yeah, well, or more. Yeah, well, well, maybe this plays into what Charlie McConnell is saying, then we need to be, <laughs> we need to be eating less. So maybe it's, it's, it's all playing into that. Um, <laughs> I don't think eating the same amount of breadcrumbs is beneficial <laughs> to a child as eating a piece of fresh fish. But, um, yeah, I do think that the government is... What, what do you hard. think about what he said, Siobhan, about um, he doesn't agree with doggy bags uh, either? Um, well, I was just saying that to my husband last night. I was yeah. like, if we go into a restaurant in town, Shehan, mm. and we eat, we, get, we, we don't Beautiful finish Beautiful restaurant, by the way. Gorgeous. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the kind of place you want to bring home what you can yeah, eat. Yeah. And they said, no, I'm sorry, um, we're going to put it in the bin. Yeah. And you're looking and you're going, well, I'm paying for this. Yeah. And if I want to give it to Elvis the dog or I want to give it to eat it myself tomorrow... Yeah. Now, of course, the restaurant the would be delighted to give it to you. Uh, in, they don't uh, want to dump it. They, yeah. they don't, of course I, they don't. Of course they no. don't. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything any chef sees any yeah. happier moment than when his plate goes back in clean. Yeah. But um, it's that's ridiculous, yeah. the doggy bag thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Now, maybe, have... maybe if I give him the benefit of the doubt here, maybe he means that it shouldn't be a case that there's food left over. 
and maybe that's the point that he's that yes, if he, if he got a proper portion yeah I know somebody is going to be on a night I could go out and I would have maybe two starters if I didn't feel like uh, that the, I could the eat full a main, main course, course yeah. and a starter yeah um, and sometimes I go out and it's two main courses I'd like. <laughs> well, there you go. There's you and I sitting together in a restaurant. You're on two main courses and I'm on two starters. You can have my starter. But I'll have your main course. That's fine, like. You're paying for it. You're, that's your yeah. discretion. Yeah. And I do think that that's the way it should be. I think they really need to start looking at the broader picture. The man on there talking about the water. His mm. solutions need to be fixed before we start worrying about what the restaurants mm. are putting on their plates, like. Yeah. Now, I know that food waste is a big issue. I didn't realise how big it was, but I think I'm trying to remember back to yesterday. I think it's about a quarter of our food that we purchase is is wasted, which is a lot, which is a it's lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I think that's going to come less and less in Because of the expense, is that it? Sure. The expense, yeah. yeah. That if you're going to have to buy little Johnny new trainers, you're not going to spend an extra 30 euro on freezer stuff. That's yeah. never going to be eaten. I do think in the next year it's going to become even tighter. I think it's going to be a harder year than last year. Vicky, can I ask you, because elections are coming up, local elections, European elections, and possibly this year a general election. Of course, there's elections all over the the, the globe as well. But how will you make a decision? You needn't tell me about your business, who you'll vote for, but how will you make a decision on who you'll vote for? What will you be looking to? At this stage, I think I'll be looking towards the pension age, um, I think increasing that again for older people is just too much. Um, the amount of people coming into the country that we can't afford to sustain. You can't get a doctor's appointment in the country. Um, it's not fair on the people coming in either. This thing of reducing them now to €38 Euros a week. Yeah, but who's going to be able to live on that? So they're going to get some other state support. Mm. They're not going to be able to survive. It's going to be down to those kind of policies, how we are going to sustain ourselves as a country, not lose our identity. Um, we're becoming more and more Americanized all the time. Um, and there is a certain degree of that. At the minute, if somebody said, who are you going to vote for? I'd say, I, I honestly couldn't say. Mm. I can't see any difference. But they're, between the, two they're the things that... And it's interesting that... Immigration will be number two on your list then, I'm thinking. So you're taking it that seriously. Oh, I do think that's a massive issue. Yeah. Like, I have friends in the Netherlands and they say that it's it's all men, that it's all women that are coming in from different countries and the men are at home fighting. We were at a Christmas party in Turles and the pub was full of foreign nationals without sounding racist or anything else. But most nights, we wouldn't be able to afford to go to the pub because we couldn't afford the prices in the pub. And was With it largely days, was it largely males? Yes. Hmm. And there's as many males coming into this country as there is females. I'd love to get a figure on that, but they're not releasing that figure. Right. Um, the guys from, as I say, the Dutch couple that we were with for Christmas were saying, that's not, that's hmm. not the way it is in the Netherlands at all. Now, Leo Varadkar would say to you, I guess, if he was talking to you, that you're misinformed, Siobhan. That well, I'd love to get his, um, I'd love to get his figures on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ratio, like, if you drive from Cashel to Dundrum, and you see the amount of people walking on the road there, 
the ratio of men to women is exactly the same, if not more. All right, Siobhan. Well, really good to talk to you today. And uh, thank Thanks you for, for making time for me, Siobhan. Really, really Lovely. good to talk to you. And look happy after yourself, won't you? And many happy Thanks returns to you, Siobhan. Bye-bye, Gino. Bye-bye. And that's uh, Siobhan. News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Um, one of our listeners making reference there to the legislation uh, being brought to Cabinet uh, today uh, to uh, affect that uh, government decision taken before Christmas to reduce uh, welfare payments for new arrivals from uh, Ukraine. A listener saying the government are not being clear, Fran. The Ukrainians will get €38 Euro plus accommodation and food, ESB, Wi-Fi, etc., all paid for up to 90 days. After 90 days, they will return to receiving €220. Euros. That's not quite accurate. My understanding is that after 90 days, if they can set themselves up in accommodation, in um, private accommodation, the, and and have not found work at that point, that, yeah, that they will get um, job seekers' allowance of €220. Euro. But you see, the problem is, after 90 days, I mean, we know what the situation is. Nobody can get accommodation. I mean, it's a disaster out there. So where are they going to get this accommodation after 90 days? And you can't very well turf people out onto the streets. So what's going to happen then? So really, what does this mean in reality? I don't know. Anyway, something completely different. The cost of providing care in nursing homes may increase in the coming years due to the dominance of private supply in the system. That's according to the ESRI. Uh, a new report on the challenges facing the long-term residential care sector uh, said that 14 medium to large operators now dominate the supply of beds in the Irish system. And from an economic perspective, a small number of providers of state-funded health or social care um, resulted in these operators uh, transitioning from being passive price acceptors to being strong negotiators, potentially driving up prices, as I say. And that's according to the ESRI. Well, Sandra Farrell is a great friend of the show. She's owner and operations manager of three small nursing homes in Tipperary, and she joins me now. Sandra, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. Thanks for your time this morning, Sandra. I would guess that none of this is a surprise to you because you have your fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the in the, in the area. Yeah, you're correct, Fran. It, it doesn't come as any surprise. I suppose we've been lobbying uh, Minister for State now, Mary Butler, for older people, mental health, for a long time about the price discrepancies in the market. And certainly we've seen the trends with the larger international uh, funders coming in and basically swallowing up the market. But it, it's interesting where they're swallowing up the market. It's where the fair deal or the NTPF rates are very high. And that's in so that's in high population areas, is that right, Sandra? Absolutely, yeah. like the Dublin Belt, uh, Cork, not even Limerick, really Dublin, Cork, mm. Kildare, all that area. So I've, I have said it in this programme, so for instance, Fran, uh, say Patterson's one of the nurse homes in Rathgrave mm. that I operate Last year, our fair deal rate was €955. Euro. So if you go to Dublin for 26, 24 beds, which we have there, up in Dublin, they could be getting €1,400, €1, euro bed. Wow. So that price difference is about a half a million in funding, the price discrepancies. So 
what care delivery that we do in Tipperary and Dublin is not different. Exact same, exact same overheads. So that's the issue, and it always has been the issue. And no wonder the larger companies are coming in, but they only want to develop in the bigger areas where the fair deal rate is higher. So that means then that we we noticed that one in five at the smaller nurse homes under 30 beds have closed. That's 50 nurse homes have closed in the last maybe three, four years. Some will say because of the pressures of COVID that we had. But it's down to the economical uh, running of a nursing home. Because even with the price discrepancies around the HSC uh, public beds, which was mentioned there also in the SRI report, uh, the HSC are trying to move away um, from running their own nursing homes, even though they have 500 beds coming in the stream. But for instance, again, I use Paston's 24-bed, Ross Gray, three kilometres down the road, you have the Dean Maxwell, which is HSE operated. Our fair deal rate is 955 last year. There's around €1,400. Again, a half a million difference in the funding model from the HSE to a private and public nursing home. And that's only three kilometres in the difference. So what difference is the residents in Dean Maxwell and Paston's? We deliver the same level of care because we have HICWA uh, as our watchdog. So we have the same standards of care in the public and the private sector. There's no no sense to this, Fran. Never has been, never will be. Well, I, that's what I was going to ask you. What is the sense to this? Because, I mean, we have less nursing homes, as you say. Nursing homes particularly uh, got such a difficult time right throughout COVID that mm-hmm. you'd wonder why people would operate them at all, I suppose, in the, in the smaller categories. And if you look at the SRI report, in which I have this morning, that was only come out, they will say that actually the lower levels of COVID outbreaks are in the smaller nursing homes, mm. which, you know, during the pandemic, we were kind of blamed because of smaller nursing homes uh, cohorting in the in two, three bedrooms at the time. But actually, we've come out really well. And, you know, it was a really difficult time. But there's moments, I go against the trend, myself and my husband, we go against the trend that we actually want to run the smaller nursing homes because we want to keep uh, the care of our loved ones in our community. So when you have the larger groups coming in, they're money-making, they're mm. private investors, they don't care about the location. All they care about is the the price at the end of the day, how much money they're making. Or what we want to do is keep the smaller quality nursing homes in our communities where our loved ones have access. So what's happening is they're building them up in Dublin, they're closing them in rural Ireland. We will see in the next year or two that people have to commute to, to about a, uh, an hour or two hours to go to a nursing home because the smaller nursing homes are closing, no one's buying them because they're not making economical sense for the larger uh, mm. multinational groups coming in to buy them, Fran. And that's the biggest issue is that, but also the only way that they can actually counteract this is by cha- changing the funding model. And is, is some of the issue, Sandra, that, you know, that the idea is to have people looked after in their own homes with, with care coming in to look after them and maybe nursing homes just used for respite and for shorter term care? Absolutely, and that's that's a model that they keep in theory looking at. But you know, I unfortunately have an aunt at the moment; she had a stroke. When she's now getting rehab care, but if she wants to go home, maximum amount of care she'll get is three hours per day. Okay. If she needs two people going into her, that's an hour and a half of care, really, because they won't pay for six hours of care for two people. So the problem is. Yes, we want to keep our loved ones at home as long as we can as possible, but the funding model isn't there either, Fran. Like, we have people, because I go to the discharge coordinators in Port Leash, Clamell Hospital, 
Limerick and Nina Hospital. Unfortunately, we have people there with high complex needs, older people. They might have advanced dementia or they might have higher complex needs like tracheostomies and various things that need nursing home care. Mm. But no private nursing home will take those people in at 9.55 per week because they need extra staff, extra training to special these, uh, these people, vulnerable people in the nursing homes, in the hospitals at the moment. So the problem is across Ireland, I'd say if there was a study done today, there's a few hundred people in beds across the hospital system that's waiting for nursing home care. But because the funding model isn't there to support the higher complex needs, they're going to remain in the hospital beds, Fran. And when we spoke during COVID, Sandra, I mean, we spoke about staffing and also the fact that it's probably more attractive for staff to work for the HSE because they can pay them more money, I suppose. Is that still the case? Well, you know, I suppose the minimum has gone from 11.30 to 12.70 this year. Yeah. Uh, in order for me to attract anyone in rural Ireland, you have been paying €13 Euro plus these days. The HSE, yes, have a few euro more, but people like to work in their own community. Yeah. If, you know, and the problem also with that plan is that the, if the HSC is paying more into their HSC run nursing homes, of course they're going to attract uh, good competitive uh, pay rates. But the problem is when our fair deal rates are being looked at, the cost of inflation in the last year, in 2022 I think was about 8% last year, about 6.5%. But when we get our fair deal negotiations, it's not matching that inflation. Also, uh, any small business across Ireland at the moment, we're struggling because from 11.30 minimum wage to 12.70, we also have an increase of the three days uh, sick pay statutory last year. was three days, now it's five years this year. At the end of this year, we're also going to have to claim employer PRSA at 1.5%. In another two, three years, that's going up to 3%. So all these aren't factored in into what we get at the fair deal rate. And it, it's a massive... Uh, obstacle for the smaller nurses, they can't thrive in the community. Right, and down, down the road, this has been going going to become a bigger issue because I know that Ty Daly, who is CEO of the Nursing Homes of Ireland, is saying that it's inevitable at this stage that more nursing homes will will close. Fran, I know at least ten operators of small nursing homes under forty beds that want to sell. Obviously, they can't put it out there in the community because then people the fear factor. They want to move their loved ones because you don't want to choose a long-term care facility when it's not going to be open long-term. Um, they're hemorrhaging money. They're trying to keep up with the pace of inflation. And unfortunately, the cost, uh, the funding model that's there isn't appropriate. And what it needs to be is toward a cost of care model. So if you have a person low, medium, high dependency needs, then you get funding in accordance to their needs, not what's across the county, the trend at the moment. Now, the ESRI couldn't be clearer on on this, Sandra. So will, will the government react to this? Will they get their skates on them where this is concerned? In fairness to Minister Butler, I spoke to her last year a few times about this. They are changing. Last year, I think there was an injection of £40 million into the budget. There was different one-off schemes as well, try to help the smaller nurse numbers. Now there's another scheme uh, launched in 2024 with regard to if there's anything HIC report, maybe you're non-compliant around infection control, maybe need extra sinks, uh, change in flooring, that will be supported in a funding model. But it's not enough, and, and Minister Butler is aware that the funding model needs to change, but because it's such a dense, complex 
thing to change when you're looking at 30,000 beds across mm. Ireland of nursing home care. It's very, very slow. And unfortunately, we're coming probably now to an end of government again, maybe towards the end of this year, early next year. And is things going to change again? Are these proposals going to be shelved mm. again? ESRI report, it's a very good report but I, I'm afraid it might gather dust along with all the and, other and, and by its life. nature, because it's largely about older people, I mean, will this be overshadowed by all of the other big issues such as immigration and housing and uh, general health and the like? Will, will this be overshadowed, do you think? Oh, absolutely, Fran. Like, according to, by 2050, we'd another 50,000 beds in the nursing home sector. We're hemorrhaging beds. We're not cleaning beds. So... You know, that's another statistic mm. that we need to look at. And, unfortunately, and have you waiting lists, comes... for example, Sandra? Have you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I get calls from the, the hospital discharge corners every single day. And from the community, I we every day our phone rings. And if I had another probably 50 beds in Thurlis, I'd be filling, filling 50 beds out of St. Teresa's Nursing Home, wow. the same family uh, lodging care and Patterson's. Because rural Ireland is suffering when it comes to uh, nursing home beds. Uh, some people I know are travelling up to an hour already, trying to get a bed. Yeah, but I mean, there, there should be equitable access to residential care right across. Uh, people shouldn't be forced to travel huge distances, you know, particularly if people are old, older relatives and the like. You know, that, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like that. No, there, there's many studies that say that older person thrive in their own community. Yeah. Because I have lots of residents, you know, in Bramley Lodge and care and also Curtis and Teresa's. They're well able to go out with their families. They're well able to yeah. go across the Yanner for a cup of coffee there with their families from Thurles yeah. or walk down to the cathedral. That's what it should be, a familiarity in a place where they go outside the door of the nursing home, they meet people they know. It's a home-from-home home experience. But how can you be a home-from-home home experience when you are you might have to travel from Nina up to Kildare to get a bed? You know nobody. You know, and that's what's happening, Fran. And, that, and I'm glad the ESRI brought it out, but today it'll make news tomorrow it won't. Right, so it's on the front pages today, Sandra, but you're saying it'll quickly move off the, the front. Oh, of the... quickly move off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Sandra, yeah. good to talk to you and thanks for your time this morning. Yeah. I know you're busy, Thank Sandra. You, Thank you for that. Thank That's you. All. Good, Thank morning. You. good morning Bye-bye. to you. That's Sandra Farrell there. Sandra is uh, owner and uh, operations manager of three small nursing homes in uh, Tipperary and responding there to that uh, report by the ESRI. Um, 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. Listen, says the government are doing the bidding of the EU masters, as the MEP Sean Kelly said. All these decisions are being made in Europe. All of these decisions about immigration taxes, etc., are made in the EU. We must remember we signed the Lisbon Treaty and gave them the authority to make any laws they want. This is one of our listeners, but only because they came back to us a second time. <laughs> so uh, for, for that uh, particular uh, referendum. Uh, anyway, 083-311-3311. Back in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie uh, Welcome back to Tip Today. We've been uh, discussing uh, the comments uh, made by the teacher, Cleo Varadkar, that nobody has the right to veto who lives in their community. And one of our listeners, uh, uh, Sophie, was in touch with us and she joins me now. Good morning to you, Sophie. 
Morning, Stan. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. What What do you make of that? That uh, we can't yeah, veto who, who comes into our communities. Yeah, I'll tell you. There is, um, you know, the numbers can be curtailed. Uh, we are getting, um, you know, a level of disinformation about everything in the media and from the government. And um, I just looked up there. Uh, I was just reading about it, and we have obligations under the EU and international law provide refuge to people in Ireland. But we have an we have an opt out clause in the Lisbon Treaty. I know the other lady touched on that, she was very good there. The opt out clause of the Lisbon Treaty of two thousand and nine under the freedom, security and justice section regarding the area of asylum, we, we can opt out. And I yeah. think the government are very disingenuous to never mention this. Denmark is the only other EU country that has this opt out uh, clause as well. And they have tightened their immigration policy. Look, you can only take so many people. I know these people need to be helped. I know all about those things. But we can't take on very many more people. Our, our own services are being overloaded, especially doctor surgeries, everything. I mean, who, who are we? So we're, we're not we're not God, you know what I mean? We, we can't take everybody yeah, in. And, and uh, just so that we're not accused of misinformation, what you're saying is absolutely true. I mean, you know, the EU, they in fact, they emphasised just a couple of years ago that it had never forced Ireland to take refugees or immigrants. Uh, the Irish government had voluntarily decided to participate, yeah. uh, Sophie, but in, in resettlement schemes. But there is, and, and again, sorry, I beg your pardon, and then I'll, I'll go yeah, straight go back. Ahead, yeah, but, go but there is where the United Nations Convention is concerned, that there are certain national responsibilities regarding the handling of asylum claims there, but it's all kind of vague and stuff. And uh, Now, I beg your pardon for interrupting you, but I just no, want to put that, put that out you. there, Sorry. Sophie. Yes. yes. Um, so what, what do you make of where we are now then? Well, I just think we should invoke the Lisbon Treaty of 2009. We were all brought back twice to make that pass through, yes. which we didn't want to force. Yes, we were beaten up to do it nearly. And now there's not a mention about it. We can straight away say, look, we just can't handle it. But I do think the government are being driven by money. The government are obviously getting money from the EU to facilitate everybody like this. I mean, nobody could afford this in any country. Where's all the money coming out of? They are not letting us know about the money. Mm. They, they obviously are getting paid for all this somewhere along the line. And I think all these things should be delved into. And I think uh, Leo Radford and Michal Martin should come straight out and say, look, we will consider the the, the, the Lisbon Treaty. But why are we why are we getting involved in treaties if we can't invoke them in, in times like this, especially? Because these people are coming in and they're being thrown into these towns and little villages, and they're up and down. They have no place to go. They have nothing to do. And see, where are the women and children? That's what worries me. It's mostly young men are coming. Where are the women and children? I mean, are are the men more highly thought of in those countries than the women and children? They're left to the cold face. I wouldn't mind taking in women and children. And is case. this the kind of information you think we should be getting? Is it, Are these the yes. conversations we we need to have, Sophie? On the ground, these, this is what all ordinary people are talking about, but nobody listens to us anymore. So I do think they need to put their thinking caps on now. Ordinary people who are trying to protect their, 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 their villages, their towns. We have the facilities in small little places. Mm. I know people are displaced and my heart goes out to these people. But, I mean, we, we can't check on everybody's ills and woes. We're barely able to look after our own people. I mean, our doctor's surgeries, that's a big thing, and our hospitals are absolutely, they're packed out. I mean, everybody has to be looked after. They're entitled to be looked after as well. If it was women and children, I think we would be a lot different about the whole thing. But there's so many young men 
be coming from these countries. A lot of them are being displaced because of Putin and the wars, and they're all coming here. We're not being told about it. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's why people are so enraged. And that's where the conversations should go from now on. The, 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 the Lisbon Treaty, where are the women and children? See, when people are told there's people coming, there's no guarantee that it's going to be um, women and children. These are the vulnerable people in society. These are the people we want. Well, what the government are saying is that if we leave aside Ukraine for a moment, but the other um, uh, international protection um, uh, seekers, they they can't even adjudicate how many people are going to arrive on a daily basis or where they're going to come from. They'll present themselves. And and that's the nature of what we've agreed to happen. But we don't have to agree on any of it because the, the Lisbon Treaty is there. We can invoke it straight away. And we, we, we're still part of that. Why be in these treaties if we can't act right, on them? But uh, as, part of, as part of the UN, you see there's other national responsibilities regarding the handling no, of asylum seekers. No, there. the Lisbon Treaty is the one we can go back to. They're mm. all asylum seekers. And why make these treaties if we, can't, if we can't use them? I mean, it's ridiculous. We were brought into votes for twice. And now it's there. And not one government minister has mentioned it. Uh, it's never mentioned any place. Now, that lady this morning did mention it as well. Yes. Well, I just found out about it. And, I, I and, didn't and what do you it. think of what the government would say, OK, let, let's leave it aside international conventions and agreements and all of that and say we have a moral obligation to look after the... What, what, would, your, what would your answer to that? We have a moral obligation so. to look after so many people in, in Ireland at the moment. I mean, why didn't they do up the houses for people who haven't houses? I mean, there's people in terrible conditions living in houses. I mean, why didn't they're getting money? It's all motivated by money. They're getting money from Europe to do up all from, from all these houses. Well, well lar- largely that money um, to house refugees and that that's coming from the coffers from from the the taxpayers. I mean, let's well. No, a lot, a lot of this coming to Europe, but the government are not giving. They will not give a freedom of information about anything. Mm. No, they will not. I mean, I know a town where there's a, a load of men come in. I'm not going to say where it is. It makes no difference. Mm. They have nothing to do all day. They're up and down the street. Yeah. They're between 20 and 35. You know, it's crazy. Mm. All young men. You know, and I mean, they're coming from displaced countries where there's trouble as, as a result of what's going on with Russia and, and all that kind of thing. Mm. Well, you know, some uh, of them are, but I mean, I was reading a figure this morning are. that over 20% of the applicants applying for protection, they're coming from Georgia, for example. And I mean, yeah. Georgia was declared, for instance, as a safe country. Yeah. See, you know, we have to look into the backgrounds of all this, why they're all being taken in here. In the end, we're going to have so many... And if there's a war, you know, a worldwide war, a lot of these men are here, young, able-bodied men. They should be in their own countries, and the women and children should be here. That's my beef. I'm not giving out about people coming as such, but it's the type of people that are coming, people who need the help, you know, mm. people who, who are really... And and still, I mean, the the integra- all of this was put to the, what is he, he's the integration minister, isn't he, Roderick O'Gorman. All of this was put to him, and he still insists that we have international obligation to accept the numbers of... Yeah. yeah, we have. Yeah, we're accepting it. Because, you know why we're accepting it, Grant? Because we're not questioning anything. But now we have people... Now, there's some people, and they're just fantastic. They're, they're questioning everything, you know. And, and they're going out of their way to make things right for, for the people in Ireland. And I admire lots of the people that are standing up at the moment. We're beginning to question things. Because mm. the government are... But you're, you're, you're being called racist, uh, Sophie, and you're being... Called I'll put up with that word now. We're yeah. not racist. I and, and, and you're everybody. far right. Are you a member of a far right party? Sir? I'm. I'm. I'm an ordinary 
citizen who has their own opinions about lots yeah. of things. Yeah. And I embrace everybody. I like every class, colour, creed. Everybody should be looked at, but we shouldn't, Ireland shouldn't be hoisted with, with what's happening. We've got to question the government's mm. motives in this. And our own people should be looked after better with housing. I mean, some people are in terrible situations. And they're able to up houses overnight for, for people coming in from foreign countries. Look after your own first, but do look after these people as well. But people who need to be looked after, mm. you know, the vulnerable people, I think we should look after the vulnerable. I don't care what colour or creed they are, I, I embrace everybody. To be honest, no, I'm, I'm just not a race. And, and can I ask you, Sophie, and again, I've asked this of several of our contributors, the people that you're talking to, the people your own age, your own friends, are they of the same mind as you? Very much so. But I'll tell you one thing, Fran, uh, people are afraid to speak out now. But I'm not anymore because I and, think people should be speaking out. And what, why? Is it because they're they're branded in some way? They're branded, yeah. You're a racist and you're a woke, wokeism and you're this. All these words are bandied around. You know, it, it, all the modern jargon is bandied around. And I'm, I'm just sick of all that now. And I think we should all stand up and we should... The government should, should man up now and they should go back to that Lisbon Treaty and they should invoke it and say, look, this is it. They, they, Denmark, or is it Denmark, I said. Yeah, they, mm. they're doing yeah. it. They have they have tightened up completely on it. You know what I mean? And what do you make of what's going before the Cabinet today, that new legislation that when people come now, well, from the end of the month, from Ukraine, for example, they'll only benefit from the €38.80 Euro 80 a week, so they no longer get the... Yes, yeah, th- th- that holds no water at all because there is no accommodation to be got any place. These people, the minute they come in, they have to be looked after everywhere. They have to be accommodated, they have to be fed, have to get their medical cards. And see, lots of people have come in without without any papers or anything. I can't understand that either in this country. And, uh, you know, this is a serious thing too. We don't know who they are, what they are. You know, a lot mm. of Well, the, the government that say that they're fingerprinting them and they're... No, no, no. Them. They destroy their their, their, their their passports and everything on the planes and everything. So I know for a fact this has happened in one place in particular. They had to get all new papers, everything. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's lots of things I could say, but I wouldn't. I'd be, I, I, I'm it's, just not going to say a lot of things. But it's I'm just skimming and, around. The stuff, and, uh, you know. you, oh, OK. And fair, fair play to you. You're being careful about what you say. We all have to be careful <laughs> yeah. with, with our language. And I know that. But I, I made reference there when I said to you about obligations under the United Nations, for example. However, Article 31 of that, you say, I have no life, so I read this kind of stuff, Sophie. Um, Article 31 <laughs> of that convention it recognises that refugees may enter a country without authorisation, but it only allows for this provided that the asylum seeker in question presents themselves without delay to authorities and can provide a very good reason as to why they entered the country illegally. Yes, yes. But, that's but, the point. but that's that's there. That, that, but are you saying that we're not acting on that? We're not insisting not, not on at that? all. They haven't time. To, they're, they're getting new papers for them. I mean, if you went to get anyone to work for you, anyone that comes in like that. They don't have their papers and they have to wait for everything, their passports, in a lot of cases. That's how I know about it. Yeah, that's how I know about it. The other thing that the government are saying to you is that, well, we benefit greatly from people who came into this country and they they point to our our medical service, our our hospitals and our our retail and our restaurants and uh, hospitality and the like as well. But they're they're confusing one issue with another. I mean, that's, that's... that's they different, are isn't it? These people are getting more powerful. Do I had an instance um, wh- where I parked my car in a certain town one day where where, where I lived, and um, I parked it, and um, there was there was um, 
uh, an asylum seeker who had been in a house near and ran across the street to me and, and said he would get my car out of his way, out of his house. You know, I'm just saying they're getting powerful too in their own way. And he went to call the guards. I mean, I said, I own, you know, I live there, you know. So, I mean, there's that, there's that element too. And what, were you, were you blocking the entrance? No, I, asked, I went over to a shop and a, a, another gentleman saw it happening and he got out of the car and he said, you made your point to that lady now, just leave her alone. And I had to wait until he came over to me then and waited until that man went away because I was actually afraid of him. You know, I'm just giving you an example. That's only a small example now. You know, I'm not saying where it is or anything, but mm. that's a small example of what is happening. And what you were know? you afraid of? Was it the attitude that was presented yeah, yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, 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 big man. I wasn't not too big myself. And, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was shaking. He said, you can't mm. put your car there. And um, he asked for proof. And can, know, I, can, I, can I finally ask you, Sophie, and again, I, I, I put this question to several people this morning. I mean, you know, there's local elections coming up. There's European elections coming up, which I think are far more yeah. important than people give it yeah. credit for. Um, possibly a general election, who knows. Um, have you made up your mind how you'll vote? I mean... Oh, I have, yes. I, I, I won't be voting for, for, for what's there at the moment anyway. Will you not? Definitely. No way. And can I no ask way. you, is that specifically because of what you've been talking to me about this morning? Yeah, because I, I don't trust I don't trust them anymore. I, I don't think they're telling you the truth about everything anymore. And I don't like being lied to by people in power. And I know it's, they don't know who I am. I can't, they can say nothing to me. But the point about it is, I don't trust them. You know, they're, they're giving out wrong information. I mean, that Lisbon Treaty thing was never, never mentioned. They could stop all this at the moment until we get our... You know, things in order. We, we we can't we can't take on anymore. We just can't afford it. We, we barely able to look after our own people. I'm worried about the hospitals being crowded and waiting in doctors' surgeries, and you can't get into the surgeries because they they they're murdered too. The doctors. There's so many people. I mean, everybody's entitled to be looked after. I know that. I'm not not saying that, but we we have to and we have to preserve our own our own identity as Irish people too. You know, we have our own ways too. We feel we're losing all this. We're losing ground on who we are and what we are. I find that too. All yeah, right, Sophie. That's well, my personal experience. Um, well, well, well spoken this morning, Sophie, and thank you very much indeed for for contributing to the show. That's great, all, great to talk to you, Sophie. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye bye. That's uh, Sophie there. Um, how do you feel about that? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Back in uh, just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. Now, um, let me just bring you some of what's uh, coming into us at uh, the moment. Fran, I know it's your job to ask uh, awkward questions, but Sophie is speaking the truth. I worked with all creeds and colours with no problem whatsoever, but Arlingford, at this moment in time, I've counted 57 men hanging around. Wow, says one of our listeners. Um, some saying, uh, Fran, when we're full up, we're full up. Uh, I don't care if I'm called racist or far right at this stage. Uh, that's just an excuse. Um, there's a large majority of asylum seekers coming from countries with no wars, etc. Uh, why are they getting in here? The amount of Ukrainian men here is on par with the amount of women. Well, I don't think it's on par, but there are some here. But I, I think part of that is at least, again, it's my understanding, but, they, you know, maybe you can help me with some clarity on this. I think if it's the father of a young family that they were allowed 
to seek refuge in other countries. I, I think that that's the way it is, um, if memory serves me correct. Somebody else saying, uh, if I was getting social welfare, I'd be called in every few weeks to see if I looked for work. Why are they not? Uh, so where is the equality in that? I wouldn't be getting my accommodation paid for as well. Well, what they would probably say to you in the case of the Ukrainian refugees, mostly women with young children, and they may not be able to work or have have the time to work or whatever. Anyway, John joins us now. John, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you today? We needed to hear about a good deed and a good news story, John. Will you tell us what happened? Well, uh, my son was going back to Australia on Sunday morning. And uh, we left at 2 o'clock. I didn't check the the road, you know, how bad it was. And uh, on the way, um, before we came to the the toll bridge um, we got a flat tyre and uh, we left the two to be there for half four uh, flying out at half seven Hmm. and uh, so you had plenty of time we thought we had plenty of time we got a flat tyre anyway and we had only one of those space of tyres they weren't a normal tyre and uh, we we couldn't travel, The, the roads were bad and the car wasn't right but anyway uh, we changed the wheel and we moved on. And as we were pulling out a car, and two cars and a jeep passed. So when we got to the toll bridge, I knew we wouldn't make it. And the next thing my son said, and I said at the same time, I wonder, is that car going to the airport? Mm. So I said, I'd find out. I hopped out and I ran down. I frightened the poor woman anyway. I tapped at the window. And uh, I just said, any chance you're going to the airport? And she said, yeah, going to the airport, yeah. I said, would you take my son because we won't make it? So they were going to the airport with their daughter. Uh, she was going flying out on a ski trip. And uh, they took my son to the airport. Uh, they wouldn't take any money off of him for it. And, like, he would have missed his flight because there's no way we would have made it. Made it. Yes. And I just, her name, his, the husband's name is John. Okay. They're from Drum in County Tipperary. And the daughter is going to some place like Andorra or some place to a skiing trip. And I just wanted to thank him so much because he would have probably, in our cases, missed his flight. Well, wasn't it very good of them indeed? And where are you from, John? I'm from Ballyporeen. Ballyporeen. In, in, in lovely, lovely Ballyporeen indeed. And you didn't know this woman. You just no, chanced I that didn't. she might have been going to the... I tell you, it was a miracle. I hadn't second to spare. There was, the husband was pulling his hand in the window after getting his change, yes. and I tapped at the window. Yeah. And and uh, there was nothing else coming or passing or anything. And she was a pure lady. She said, no problem. She hopped out of the car and she opened the booth. My God. And I said to the son, good luck. There's no time for tears. Oh, so yeah. I just wanted to thank him so much. Yeah. And, and was he going to Australia for the first time? No, no, no. He was home for Christmas. Right, so he was going back, yeah. He was going back, yeah. And and, and I said, never again. We'll take a hotel the night before. <laughs> it, was such, it was so stressful on the way because thinking about missing the flight. And, oh, sure, I know. Yeah. You know, so hold on. But as I said, I'll be forever grateful to them. And, and did you did you spot a, a T-Reg or something like that as well? I, I didn't even think about it. I didn't care who they were or what they were. But, but uh, it was a car in front of me. And as I said... I'm 66 nearly. I wasn't long jumping out of the car and running down. Yeah. And uh, but look, they took him, and they were absolutely brilliant. And I just like to thank them so much. They're from Drum, 
and that's the story with them. Uh, that's very good. Well, it's it's good to hear that there's decent people out there doing doing the right thing. But nowadays, I mean, you know, we're all so careful about who we take into our cars, John. Uh, you know, it was very good of them indeed, wasn't it? It, it was, yeah. yeah. Well, looking enough, it happened at the toll bridge. There was a woman in the, in the toll bridge collecting the money. Yes. You know, yeah. so, as I said, but they were, I, I tell you, absolutely brilliant. Never questioned anything, just said, no problem. She came out, she opened the boot, and we put in the bag, and off they went. Right. And he got to his destination yesterday morning at half eight. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about that, so he, he's there safely at the moment, but you yeah. didn't have much time for goodbyes at that point. Oh, so. there was no goodbyes. There was no goodbyes. Yeah. It was nearly the easiest way. Yes, because, you know, airports can be very... Emotional. Oh, don't I know? It's heartbreaking, John. Don't I know? Well, look, I'm glad it all worked out very well in the end anyway. And, and great to talk to you, John. And thanks very yeah. much for coming on with us today. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. And well done to that family there from Drum. Uh, the husband is John. Uh, the daughter, uh, lovely, lovely holiday, heading out to... Uh, uh, to do some skiing there as well, but well done, doing a good deed along the way. Uh, great to ch- chat now to my old friend Noel O'Dwyer. Good morning to you, Noel. Hello, friend. How are you keeping? I'm very well indeed. How are things in Thurles, Noel? Uh, good, 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 good. Yeah, yeah. What, what no, about? Just... Are, are you are you complaining about traffic lights again? Pardon? Are you are you complaining about traffic lights, Noel? Well, I'd like to see, friend, if they bring it home around to doing it. Is changing the 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 pedestrian uh, light system in Tullus to an ordinary flashing beacon because they're, they're holding up uh, pedestrians and they're holding up traffic. They have it in Dean Street below in, in Kilkenny now. They had them like we had them. Mm. But they changed them back to uh, the flashing beacons and it's amazing the way, uh, how, how, how fluid the traffic and the pedestrians interact and they move across. And, and where, where in Thurlis are you talking about with this down there? You know, outside, outside the Bank of Ireland and, and the Cathedral. Oh, sorry, I do, of course. Going, yes. going down yes. Sleeve Man Road. Yes, of course. You know, yes. yeah. people, people are pressing the buttons and they're waiting there in, in wet weather and everything trying to go across. Yeah, so it's backing and, up. And it's backing up traffic, I guess, is it? Oh, it is a course. Yeah. Well, it is a course in a yeah. big way, yeah. And uh, but another thing I wanted to say to your friend is um, the cathedral steps. Yeah. I was wondering, would it be possible to put in uh, a couple of handrails on on the main expanse of steps across? Because there is one over at the very. Uh, at the very railings, and there's a ramp at the far mm. side as well. Yeah. But I often, I was often in there now, and you see people, particularly elderly people, are kind of insisting on coming down the unguarded steps, you know. Yes. And a couple of people got terrible falls down there, you know. Especially now when it's when it's icy. Uh, well, it's well, not... even if it's just, I, I, I notice the elderly people, whether it is that they feel that. It makes them feel younger or something to come down the steps kind of half sideways and everything. But there's one trip and they're busted off, off the steps going down along, you know. Of course, but that that would be the responsibility of the church, I guess, no? Oh, true, I suppose, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I suppose maybe, like, it wouldn't be a big, costly job to put up two rails, you know, mm. at the centre door, and maybe about 20 or 30 feet apart. Yes, that, that, that's that, the case in, in Cashel, in St. John's there in Cashel. That's, uh, that's the case. Have, yeah. they, have they a couple they, in there? They do, have. they do indeed, yeah. And, and yeah, they're because very important should, because, again, steep steps there, yeah. Well, to, to stabilise people, and to be only a bit of, a, we'll say, a tubular stainless steel mm. and, and, and bent at either end, that it shouldn't be cocking out, hitting off of people, you know. Mm. Mm. And I suppose they could nearly 
they could nearly uh, siphon off a little bit of money from the Raise the Roof campaign to do that. To do that, because it wouldn't cost a fortune to. Oh, no, it wouldn't, not at all. No, no, but it's, yeah. because one man now, there lately, uh, uh, he, he had a terrible fall altogether. Oh, did he? There's an awful height there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Father Jim might be listening to us now and he might might take that into Hopefully, into, yeah, into yeah. Account. yeah. He, might sing, he might sing a few songs to raise a few bob for <laughs> Well, us. no better man to sing a song. A fantastic <laughs> yeah, singer, yeah, indeed yeah. he is. How, how are things uh, working out on Liberty Square, no? Yeah, just slow. I don't know. Just fine. It's grand. It's grand for people, uh, especially in the summer, now, out drinking coffee and that. But, yeah. Um, the trouble is, if you're going into into Frank Road just to get a bit of paint or to get your hair cut or something, you pull up outside. You, you nearly want a hundred fifty to get across the road because the the, the, fo- the footpath is so wide. You know. But anyway, I suppose it's all aesthetic. Well, there, there's all that new car parking available now, though, isn't there? All the region, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's okay if you if you. But uh, another thing they could do is they could um, start um, fixing up. Uh, Kickham Street, there's some awful holes coming back in that again there. Now. There, there doesn't seem to be any real urgency. The bridge is the same way, you know, there's holes coming in every second oh, day of the week. Again? Are you serious? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think I think it's cold porridge to have died written <laughs> into it or something. They're not. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But it's a pity because, yeah. I don't know, are, are, are the councillors kind of putting their shoulder to the wheel to, to, to keep pressure on... on uh, you see, I was on the what to the engineer there about the the, um, the bridge, and he yeah. said, "Oh, they can't go near that." It's TII, yeah. you know. Which yeah. I think I was always fighting years ago in the council to have more autonomy for the, the town council to, to fix up all these things themselves, get the money from the TII or whatever. But they're on the spot; they know where 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 the holes are and to fix them. Mm. Within a, within a day or two of the appear, you know. So ah, but you don't don't be applying yeah. logic now to these things. Uh, Which is a pity, you know, because yeah. there's, there's more money being wasted. Uh, a couple of times now when they got stuff done there on the middle road there recently, mm. there was a truck and and a, a little JCB crack and and five or six lads there. But the holes they were filling wasn't as big as a kitchen door, you know. But to bring all them things from the TII. Mm. It's costing fierce money, whereas it should be in situ in Tullus to have the stuff to do it right, you know. Well, we heard a similar story earlier on about, you know, waterworks in, in, in Clanmel, where the oh, old I was, system... I was, I, was, I, was, yeah. I was listening to that man, yeah. yeah. God, you, you'd, you'd feel sorry from the, 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 Wouldn't you, the, the, the hopes he's has, having to run through, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you God, know... He, he was a great man to, to bring the, the, the three kids up, wasn't he? Wasn't he fantastic in losing his great, wife with her just man, 34? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it incredible? Yeah, um, great, uh, but again, getting the run around from everybody, you know? Like, but that's the trouble, you know. I, but I, I think Ireland, Ireland and I, I know the world in general has gone to that because you can't just, everything is dot, dot .ie now or mm. ring, ring, or... or but no, Context, I mean, you, you, you were a councillor years ago. Is it genuinely gone worse, or is it just our perception that it's I, I'd worse? say it's, it's gone completely impersonal now, you know. Is it? Yeah. That you, you can you can just ring up something and uh, someone and looking for just someone to answer a phone. And, or just, please wait, we'll be with you. You know, all our offers are busy at the moment. And then you get this cacophonous music. Uh, for about, I was on to the council, I think, just the bones of a half an hour one day. Wait, oh and they come in every now and again, and they tell you where you are in the queue, and then there's more music again, and, and 
And uh, eventually, a lot of people just give up and say, "Look, sure, what's so this, I say that's a lot of the, that's a lot of the, the the theory behind it. If you keep people hanging on long enough, they'll just say, oh, "To hell with this and give it up." Yeah. You know, so, so, so things are worse as far as you're concerned. Well, I, I think I think that the efficiency isn't there, any, you know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah, had I, a I, I haven't had a complaint about Bow's Corner for. For a long time, so well, it, is, is it finally working out? Is it working out down there? It isn't too bad, but yeah. even to, to, to make a right job of it now, if they just came back and admitted that they should have put a small roundabout where where they have the yellow box. But they're not going to admit that. No, no, no there's no way that, they're going to admit no, that. Yeah. But I'm saying it would make a right, it would make a fairly good job of it now if they did that. Yeah, because it would give you'd give Butler Avenue and and. Um, Matthew Avenue a chance to get into the flow of traffic and right. that's but that's the only problem that'll be there now and they could taper off the big footpath they, they, they put going around into Matthew Avenue on the left hand side and put a little roundabout in there and it doesn't need to be a big thing at all all you want you see a roundabout <clears throat> all it does is, is, is uh, indicates that the traffic coming from the right as the right away. Yeah. But you, you heard them tell me that that was an impossibility there and it wasn't going to work out. And, yeah. Oh yeah, well you'd, you'd have consultants doing that. You'd <laughs> oh you, oh you <laughs> cynic you. No, look after yourself and a happy new year to you. Thanks Noel. Very happy Thank you. Thanks, Thanks, all the best. Bye bye That's Noel O'Dwyer there in, uh, in Turles this morning. 1800 the text and WhatsApp is 083 311 Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil, on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. She has a bag of solutions under her arm here. She does. <laughs> Happy New Year, Phil. And to you as well, Fran, and to the listeners as well. Great to see you. We were talking off air there. You had a lovely Christmas. Lovely, lovely, lovely really lovely. Yes, yeah, thank you. Great, isn't it? All right, we launch in, Phil. So the first letter of the brand New Year then. Dear Phil, my ex-wife and I broke up uh, four years ago. Although the split wasn't friendly at the beginning and was probably handled badly by both of us, we have thankfully now reached a stage where we have somewhat of an amicable relationship. We have three children under 10 and we remain committed and devoted to making sure they're happy. I had a partner but we broke up just before Christmas. We had been together for a year. My ex-wife has a partner for the last year and a half and he just moved in with her before Christmas. I don't have much to do with him and have only met him a few times. The kids seem to like him. My issue is that when I had the kids over Christmas, my youngest told me that their mom wants them to call her partner dad now that he has moved in. I asked the oldest child about it and he told me it was true, uh, but he only calls him dad when he's at home, uh, but he knows that I'm his proper dad. I'm really upset about it and angry that my ex-wife would ask them to do that without even discussing it with me in the first place. It feels like a total slap in the face and I think it's really disrespectful to me. I'd never dream of asking them to call another woman mum. Is it worth broaching the subject with my ex? I feel like it's a done deal, but I'm really cross. 
about it? Well, I, I'll tell you, Fran, it's certainly not a done deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this, like this, this is a, a sort of a, a real sad situation Isn't because yeah. if they're broke up four years and they have three children under 10, the oldest was six mm-hmm. when that happened, or maybe less mm-hmm. because we don't know. We just know they're under 10. Um, and it, it's a very formative, the first seven years in any child's life is very formative time because all of the skills required to cope and progress are in that time. And when you get this kind of a mixed mashup of relationships, partners coming, going, gone, um, I think it's a very confusing time for children. And it's, I really do think that the mother is wrong in this case to ask the children to call a guy she's with for a year and a half, um, you dad. know, to 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 move yeah. to call him dad. He's not their dad. Their dad is their dad. He, if they mum marries this guy, he'll be a stepdad. But it's um, it's it's wrong what she did, and I think the the father of the children is right. I don't think you should use terminology like it's a done deal. It, there is no such thing as a done deal. And I do think that they should avail of family mediation services of some sort because when there's a martial breakdown, a martial breakdown, and when there's um, children in the mix, it's a very, very confusing, upsetting, destabilising element to their lives. It's just wrong that the mum is trying to normalise the new relationship and claim the children as, you know, they're the family now and the father is kind of excluded. And do you think it may be because they're so young she's trying to give them a stability of some kind? Yeah, but you know, what do you say about you're going to your father for the weekend? Oh, your real father. Oh, Uh, You know, it's, it's not the right way to go about it and there's there's certainly an element where there should and there, there's very good people out there that can speak to children about martial breakdown and breakups and things like that and, and even loss and series like loss through death and stuff like that there's a lot of really good services that help children no matter what their age to come to terms now this might seem very flippant um, this, this, what we're discussing about. But the father is deeply upset mm. that mm. she should ask her children with him to call another man their dad because he's not their dad. And she should be clear about that. Mm. So know. he should broach. He subject. absolutely should yeah. broach it. And if it if it means that, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's relationship counselling and that available to people anyway. Um, and they should avail of it. But I think all the advice would be that he share, certainly should um, express his views in a strong enough context to the, the former wife or partner, whatever she was, and just say, look, I'm their dad. Mm. And don't try and dilute my role. Because obviously they have shared custody. Well, I'm saying obviously you yeah. would, that you would imagine. Yeah. But I mean, it does appear that the children do go to. Yes, and it's amicable enough. As, Absolutely, as, as, and as you know, and it was you know. very troublesome. Like all yes. relationship breakdowns are very like it's just not kind of oh you know this is a process now we must go through this and at x number of time we'll all feel great again everything will be okay and everything will be happy. This is maybe the mother trying to normalise a situation because as you said the children are very young. Mm. Um, but I still think that's very wrong when the father of the children is the father of the children. He is their dad. 
And do you know what struck me when you were talking about complex situations for kids? People rarely talk about that, isn't it? Because, isn't that and interesting? It, it is interesting because when you're talking about a child, it's usually... It's, it can be quite easy to identify, say, if a tragedy happens in an area or a town or a village. Nearly everyone knows what you're talking about, but, like, there are really, really good services available in terms of bereavement counselling mm. and all sorts of services that are there in the background. People hopefully will get in touch and, and let us know of services that they were able to benefit from because every situation is a learning situation for us all. Yes. And I just think that this man is not overreacting uh, but to, to even think it's a done deal, he's doubting his role as as the importance he is in those children's lives. Is it very difficult, do you think, Phil, for kids not to be affected later on in life from these situations? You see, everything informs how you are in life. And I suppose, Fran, to an extent, we normalise an awful lot of things because people just get used to families breaking down or breaking up. We get used to people not being in a relationship. We get used to situations where parents are 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 together but they're not married but they're in a formal relationship and they're all they all work and they're all fine but when you have a situation for instance where there's a child with special needs or there's there's a house where there's there's wrongdoing going on that's visited to the children by the parents you have all sorts of complexities and you haven't we definitely do not have enough social workers and their work is extremely difficult it's extremely difficult to take a child out of what they knew as a home and um, so it's a very destabilizing thing so it the the oldest can only be 10 mm, yeah can yeah, only be so. 10 and is probably less so the youngest could be anything from, you know, it could be anything from four onwards. My God, yeah. You know, so, so I mean, it's, yeah. it's complex, Fran, but I, I think you shouldn't just take it as is and, um, yeah. you know, just say, oh, this is a done deal. All right, our second letter, a very different one then. Dear Phil, I just found out through one of my children that my 19-year-old daughter is on OnlyFans. I admit I didn't even know what OnlyFans was and when I did some research into it, it seems that my daughter is selling videos of herself naked to strangers online. I was so appalled and upset by it and I confronted her. Uh, She told me to relax, that it's not a big deal and most girls her age are doing it to make some extra money. Uh, She says she's in no danger because she never meets these people in person but what's to stop anybody from sharing pictures of her online? She doesn't seem to grasp that this could be really damaging for her. She says, I'm too old to get it and that she and other girls who do it find it empowering. Am I missing a trick here? To me, it seems like prostitution and I'm absolutely devastated. What can I do? What do you know about OnlyFans to begin with anyway? Look, OnlyFans is an online streaming platform. Um, It's an app that was created in 2016 and um, the users pay for private content for photos, videos, pictures, live streams um, and with a monthly subscription. So, and it's not a big and amount. Is it interactive with the with the person? I mean, can yeah, yeah. live, live interaction? Yeah, it, fitness trainers, models, public figures and 
content creators oh, would have been the those, yes. yeah so they would have been influencers that would be on Instagram if they go and put themselves on OnlyFans they can monetize what they're right. doing and they get they get, like some there's people in Ireland would make maybe 40, 50, 60 grand a month wow. friend. So we're talking about but unlike wow. YouTube or Instagram or Snapchat um, the only fans, fans allows explicit sexual contact. Right. But not just explicit contact. No, no, no. It, it okay. does other things as well. Right. So only fans in itself is not wrong. But this father or this parent mm. um, 19 years old is selling naked pictures mm. of herself. Yes. Now, there, there, I know it. effectively OnlyFans is live porn mm. as that aspect of it, that they right. allow the explicitness of this content. So I would say that this is not a good idea at 19 years of age. There, There's ways and means now, I think, of exploiting people and I think if, if she went... Let's just say she went for a job or trained to be a teacher or a nurse or a barrister or a judge or any other. Well, anyway, it, I think it's it's something that even though she sees now as being something very flippant and not that important and the parent here is an, an old drag, yeah, you know, for yeah. kind of being, being so cross about it. It must be awful for for parents or siblings God, to look imagine. at pictures of their daughter, child, sister, whatever, doing this kind of stuff on on in public. And she's saying it's empowering for her. You see, I think the you can get sucked into kind of what is it anyway? Everyone's got a body. Everyone's the mm. same. It's not the point. I think you have to have decorum. You have to do something to protect yourself. I think this mm. does highlight a, a part where people are becoming almost, you know, getting used to this sort of mm. content, that it's no big deal. It, I think, I suppose, maybe for our generation, it's an awful big deal. Mm. But um, I, I would definitely think um, that she really and truly is making a mistake I don't no, she's know. She's probably what, making big money from this, her. If she just said she's making money, some extra money, but extra money, I, okay. I, I don't, and and so we don't even know hmm. the extent of it. All I know is that on looking up around the own, the whole OnlyFans thing, a lot of OnlyFans is innocent. It's influencers, it's hmm. people that can get up on the internet and they can do lovely dances and all the rest of it, and then you get someone else copying them, and they're like a big clot hopper. <laughs> <laughs> the place and it's quite funny yeah. but like I do think that um, she says she never meets these people in person so she's what she's doing is she's she's almost like she's in a private booth yeah, yeah. and her relationship is only with whoever's looking at her and paying her to show bits of herself that really right, should be kept she's compartmentalising the whole thing is she that is, it yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose it's easy to do that Fran if you're getting money into your account and you just think wow this is great um, and eventually she will be got to in mm. some way and say you know if you do this this and this and if you include this person with you and then maybe another we'll person pay you or whatever, we'll so. give you extra right. you'll definitely make more money this is what you can the, do the, the father's um, concern as well about you know anonymity or maybe her pictures going up in on other platforms taken from the I, I, I don't know how 
protected and, this platform see, and, is, and I don't either accept yeah. that any platform that allows ex- explicit content of a sexual nature is not something that you should take lightly mm. because even though it might be fun and even though she might have a fantastic figure mm. or not it doesn't really matter mm. because at the end of the day it's it's like you're selling your body Mm. As the same as if you were in, you were involved in prostitution, it's kind of like. Would you put it on par? I I would really, Fran, because yeah. do you know what? It's only when you get desensitized to what's morally right or wrong. Mm. I think that it's very easy to cross a line. Yes. And and putting yourself on public display, um, nudity on public display, it, it's it's just. It's not something that you'd want in your CV. Plus, she's only 19. The, very young, you know, very, very young. young yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's what's. I, I think it does put you at risk because it does get out quite quickly that if your one is making loads, she's delighted because there might be an innocence there. Mm. She mightn't be mature enough to be able to deal with unexplained or unexpected consequences from doing this kind of behaviour. I'd question what she says as well, that most girls her age are doing this. I, I'd question. I, I wouldn't think there are uh, yeah. most girls. There are, there is good few people on, on doing this. And like I said, it would be very rare to be making the 80, 90 grand. But I yes. did read up about it and I did see um, excerpts where, where people are doing really, really, when I say well, they're doing well in a monetary perspective. Yes. They certainly are doing well by themselves, I would think. But is there anything to stop the 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 guy next door from watching these things? I mean, no, only no, if he wants to pay if, to if watch her, there, he or, can, or if he wants right. to get at the window and okay. have a look in. Right. You get it for free. Right. The poor father. That's all I have to say. The poor oh, father. Yeah. I, I just think it's 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 really really sad, and I I just think as well that when something becomes, in a way, normalised, it's. It's easy for people to kind of fool themselves. Well, look, I'm making loads. I'm going to be able to buy the car. I'm going to be able to pay off my college fees. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to buy a house. It, it's it's such a like they don't see consequences of getting, I suppose, internet yes. internet notoriety. Yes, of course. They they see the positives of yeah. it. And images can hang around. Well, they're never going to go away, Fran. If they're on their internet, they're not going to go away. All right, letter number three, our final one then. Dear Phil, last year I decided to give up drinking because it just wasn't agreeing with me anymore and I was really suffering for uh, days afterwards, so I decided that was it. I don't really miss drinking and I feel it was the right decision for me. The only thing is, every time I was out over Christmas, I kept getting comments from friends and family. I'm a woman in my 30s and all I heard was, uh, when I said I wasn't drinking, have you news? Uh, if I hear it one more time, I will scream. When I tried to explain that I just didn't enjoy drinking anymore, so I gave it up, nobody would accept that answer and would quiz me on it if I had a drinking problem, for example, or did I do something that I regretted? It's insane. So why can't people in this country just accept people who don't drink? What is the best way to reply to this constant interrogation? You know, I kind of have sympathy for her, really. I mean, asking people asking if you have news just because you're not doing something. You could have a very early start the next morning. You could be driving to and from the pub. You could be doing anything. You could be on antibiotics. You could be 
there's numerous reasons. You could be trying to get pregnant. Mm. There's a whole raft of reasons why people choose not to drink. People should just mind their own business and leave them alone. But we're incapable of that, you see. I think people should be told, would you ever feck off? off. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad that it was feck him out there. Not half as glad as I am. <laughs> <laughs> You have a dump button. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten to it in time, I think. Um, yeah, but uh, you'd be that strong about it, would you? I would, that, yeah. You know, I think yeah. people should mind their, mind own, their business. own business. And yeah. I, I really don't think it's that big a deal. Um, there's there's a lot of people would never, ever take notice. They would just assume that somebody is driving or they have something else to do or whatever. Why would you put yourself at risk of getting now maybe double pints and put know. off the road if you're if you're caught over the limit, there's still so many people that that's happening to. It's why like, can't we accept if we're having a drink that there's somebody in our company not having it? Why is that an Irish thing? I, I don't know, but you see, I, I and I know this happened right um, where I was out with somebody, and they asked the barman to please give them an alcohol-free beer, but in a glass that didn't have zero zero on it. <laughs> and I mean, when you have to go to that extent, so people would leave you alone. Now they'd probably know after a while you wouldn't be you wouldn't be slurping <laughs> off an old pint of zero zero anything. But um, you know, I mean, people really have a kind of an interest. And the worst thing for women is kind of, oh, have you news? Yeah, I know. You know, and I mean, people. And if you're be, struggling to be pregnant, that's, I mean, that, yeah, and you know what, that struggle nightmare. is much much greater than people think. Yeah. And also, even if men decide to, and a lot of people are doing dry January, as I am myself. Are you? I'm a saint. God bless you. But there's a, there's a lot of people, and men as well, who would be advised to really, really not have alcohol or to really cut down if there's an infertility issue mm. within the couple. Or within mm. the the because that the can be an issue, can't it? Oh gosh, it can. Well, I mean, alcohol is. definitely. Um, it, it's 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 generally considered not to be a good idea if you <laughs> like if if you want to be having nice babies <laughs> and all the rest of it. Like it's yes. better it's better if people don't drink. But I think I think mind your own business. I don't think that happens in other countries. I as don't much think as so. It happens here. Yeah. I think people really cross lines. They have no boundaries at all if they're full of pints and you're not. Yeah, and, uh, and do you know, I mean, most of us are guilty. So I remember years and years ago in America being invited to back to somebody's house for a drink and the band went went back. Of course, thinking that there was... But we got a drink. Yeah. And that that was it. And they saw nothing wrong with that and we could have a cup of coffee then as well or something. But yeah. uh, but we were horrified. Yeah. Like, where's the because rest of you it? see our, our culture would be that if you're going back to a house for a, a drink session. it means you're going in for a great session <laughs> and it's an absolute party and there's barrels of beer outside I and know, they have it yeah. linked up. No, instead we had small talk sober which was very difficult. Very well. You see, again, you're not as much crack, and you don't see as much crack in things if you don't have that big relaxant that alcohol yeah. is. So it's. And are um, we uncomfortable then with the person who's sober because we might be making idiots of ourselves? Is that? No, is that? I think the person that's sober is uncomfortable with some of the boundaries that oh, can yeah. be crossed because people have the they they're so free with their contributions yes. in terms of their opinion and in terms of you know what you are or what you aren't and oh you're much better crack when you have a few in or you know it's it's a real kind of um, it's almost like well you should go somewhere else like home come back and pick us up 
because yeah. you're not any crack you're at not all any when crack. you're not you're not, having you're not drink. part of the and, gang. And I've seen bit. people that that wouldn't ever be drinking and you would not know that they're not fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean they're great fun. And people with personalities that don't need the additional crutch. I suppose to, but to you're you're right. I think it's very much an Irish thing. Even though there seems to be a bit of a sort of a a cult thing going on online now, that that sobriety seems to be almost becoming fashionable in some way. Yeah, but you know what? There's there's always swings and roundabouts yeah, in terms of yeah. of uh, you know what comes into fashion, and people go on these you know these clean eating, and they go on all sorts of diets. Whereas you're much better off just being sort of you know. I mean, dry, dry January is a thing. Why are you doing dry uh, dry January? By because way? I just like to. I like my sons get married next year. I have to be slender as a reed. <laughs> Of course. So if I stayed in January, I could do it in February, so March, and so April. So it's a health thing. It's a, it's uh, a no. It's a choice. Okay. An absolute choice. Okay. Um, it's it's just something. It's not a big deal. And will you find that hard? Not a bit. All not right. a bit. I wouldn't even think about it when mm. when I make a decision on something. It's just not something that would bother me. Yeah, I'm not sure what it says about me now, but I'd prefer to stay at home if I wasn't able to have a. Have a drink. Yeah, but I wouldn't be going out a lot now either. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I yeah. mean, I well, I, anyway, I was kind of laid up there for a while because mm. of the breaking two legs. But um, it, one you know, leg would do anybody. Oh, I sure listen. It would overdo <laughs> everything. But um, you know, I it, it was just a, a thing. So I I don't mind going out and not having a drink at all. I don't mind that. Right. So so this lady needs to get sort of up front with, with her friends and tell them lads, to would you ever stop concentrating on me and enjoy your night and I'll enjoy the night and just leave us alone mind your own business yeah mind your own business I love it it's great to have you back Phil thanks thanks very much indeed thank you Phil. and uh, by the way if you have an issue that you would like Phil to have a look at it's uh, tip today at tipfm.com and if you want to put dear Phil in uh, the subject line there we'll know what you're, what you're at alright we'll take a break we're back with more Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Oh, Lister says, I haven't had a drink since the last time I got drunk a week before my wedding 51 years ago. I said that was it, but now I always drink soda water and lime, so people say to me, have a real drink, says Patricia in care. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely an Irish thing uh, for sure 083 311 The Conspiracy Files on Tip Today well, The Queen of Conspiracy Ali is with me Good morning Ali Good morning Fred And uh, you're going to talk to us about something very very special today Tell, tell me what we're going to talk well, about Well do you know what when I started first I had a different conspiracy yeah. file in for today and I had to scrap it because there was news building on social media um, in the last few days I think really it's really come to, to a head and it's to do with an incident that happened in Miami on New Year's Day Now it seems to be confined to, to Twitter I haven't, I'm not calling it X yet. I'm still on Twitter. I can't so call it X I, I can't yeah. do it. Mm. But uh, it, it kind of started on Twitter of different videos of what happened at a mall. I say mall as well, not mall. In Florida on January 2nd. Now, it's a strange story, but let's start at the very beginning. It starts with a news report that went out on January 2nd. Sorry, this incident occurred on New Year's Day. But here's the news report that went out about it on January 2nd. Here's what local media were reporting. Fireworks and fights in downtown Miami. 
The chaos on the first night of the new year prompting a citywide emergency call. Miami police swarming the streets. Four teens would end up under arrest, two of them charged with battery. After police say a driver was jumped for asking who threw a bottle at his car. Police were initially called out around 8.30 Monday night after reports of a riot and fireworks set off inside Bayside Marketplace. Then there would be fights, several of them all involving teens. Yeah, that was very chaotic because what they were saying was like more than one fight happening at the same time. You know, they just started fighting. It just got crazy. But it could have gotten crazier and even more dangerous without that massive Miami police response. It may look like an overreaction with the amount of officers that responded, but the truth is that's really part of strategy. And that's what got people talking, wasn't it? That it was a massive response. Massive. Yeah. Uh, you could see video from the incident. Over 200 police cars attended that scene. Now, when you hear the report, you think, oh, God, look, antisocial behaviour, yeah. a bit of violence, maybe some looting of shops. That's all it was. But then a few hours later, Twitter became absolutely alive with stories not just stories, but video footage of what many claim what really happened that night at the Bayside Mall in Miami. It wasn't a fight, but some say it may have been an alien visitation. Now, the incident occurred at Bayside Mall in Miami, New Year's Day, around 8pm at night. What people are reporting on social media, and these are people who claim they were in the mall that night, they saw three nine or ten foot beings appear in the mall, walking around and then walking outside. Now, video was shared on social media. It claimed a 10-foot tall silhouette walking near cop cars outside was from another planet, with one user claiming it was kind of a glowing figure was walking through smoke during the scene. Now, there were three... I've, I've been able to isolate it down to three main videos. There is one video of CCTV from a, a store inside the mall. And what it appears to show is, is people milling around and shopping as they normally would. And this orb of light kind of appears. It grows bigger. It grows really big, keeps growing all the time. And then it looks like it explodes. And then it kind of disappears. And then people run towards it and then run away from it again. There's another video then of, and it's it's terrible quality and it's someone on a mobile phone but they're basically saying why is everyone running this way and then it pans very quickly to people standing looking at these three huge black objects in the mall and then it pans back again so it's slowed down so you can see wow. these three huge black things like, like what like beings kind of like beings it's very hard to figure out what they are like they're not they're not people form it's like a round head and then a kind of an ovally body. And you can see kind of kind of arms and kind of legs. But it, it's strange. And they're very big and they're not moving and they're not walking. Then there's another video which is taken from a helicopter outside. We think it's a media helicopter. And it's all the cops who are gathered out the front of the, the mall. And you can see it's like a movement in front of the building. Now, it's from far away, so you're making it out. But what you can see is kind of like three heads walking towards one of the cop cars. But it doesn't look like a person. It's kind of like a mirage, kind of like a light. But it's three shapes that are moving together towards. And because of the height, you can tell that they're quite big. 
And are the cops responding to this? No, no, not on the video. And that little snapshot is only about four seconds long as well. So there isn't really time to react. But you can see cops outside of their cars with guns drawn at whatever this is. So it's a very strange story. And then people were wondering, well, if the mall was packed with people, why aren't we hearing from the people who claim to have seen this? So the people who claim they were in the mall have started talking. Here's what one man said. He claimed he witnessed the event. About like a, a, a few seconds later, as soon as we started running, uh, my nephew, he's autistic, so he was pointing behind us and he was saying blanky, which he'll usually say whenever he feels unsafe or scared. Um, and he was pointing behind us. So me and my brother, we look behind us and then we see these three, nine, ten foot tall, creatures i'm not gonna say aliens uh everyone keeps saying it's aliens i'm not saying aliens because i don't know what it was uh none of us really knew everyone all of us stopped in our track we you know a whole bunch of people were pointing at it uh, i mean there were other people running um you know there was a crowd as soon as it made itself more apparent um it looked like it was glitching, not like a computer pixelation, but like a wavy glitch. Um, and whatever maybe was covering them had, you know, unveiled or whatever. Um, yeah, it looked like a glitch, man. Uh, it like a, a weird glitch in the matrix or whatever. And, um, and then you could see it in its full form, all three of them. And then, uh, it, you know, they were all black. You saw eyes, uh, and you could faintly see like, like lips but um yeah i was about like tw 20 feet away um because obviously everybody gave it distance right and um you know they're tall um so we all just like looked at them they were just standing there and the thing that was a little bit weird well it was clearly like observing us it was sentient right like or whatever i mean i don't know but uh it was aware of us it looked at us, the whole crowd, and then as soon as it started walking with its big legs, like kind of like it started like almost glitching again, um, we all ran. Now he sounds very measured. Completely, yeah. And his um, his piece actually, if you get it on on Twitter, it goes on for about eight minutes, where he he details the whole thing from start to finish, and he talks about the cops' response to it. He also addresses why there's no more video footage, and I'll bring you that in a little mm. while. Um, but there were many witnesses, or, or claimed to be many witnesses to this, and there's video footage from those news reports that we heard at the top of the piece, running from them all screaming, trying to get away, which of course media are saying this was a fight that people were trying to get away from. Here's another uh, a lady who claims to have witnessed uh, the event. Here's what she saw. You can hear, ah, somebody screaming. So we're looking around, and then a bunch of people start screaming. A bunch of people start um, running, and I, I didn't know what to do. So, you know, part of me wanted to run, but another part of me wanted to see what they were running from because, uh, <laughs> Hey, is it worth me running? Because I am not all the way in shape. And B, what's going on? So I went to go investigate. And so I started walking the opposite direction. I'm like, move, move. Telling people, whoa, what y'all doing? What is going on? Are y'all crazy or something? So needless to say, but then I saw another one 
and this one was kind of short and wider and it had like a mask over its not a mask but like a, something over its head but looked like a shield or something over it and people were running and I'm trying to see like well wait a minute didn't they come through the front door wouldn't all this panic and pandemonium happen when they first came through the door how did they just pop out of nowhere what's going on I have all these questions going in my mind I'm a Sagittarius so I think things so I'm like logically this got to be some people in costumes <laughs> but then I heard like a like a sound coming from the t the taller one and so I grabbed my grandbabies and we took off we took off running so by the time we got up at the mall the police were out there like get down get down get down so we just kind of ducking like running like what, what what you mean get down and next thing you know they started like firing over our heads so I turned around like what what the come to find out that thing was right behind us and there were police like lined up and down the road God, she sounds like a great she character. Does, she? The police firing shots over their heads. Yeah, that's what she claims. Now, uh -huh. we've no footage of that, but uh, that's what... I'll, and, you know, there, there's a lot of different witness testimony. Now, the problem with this, if you delve in the rabbit hole a little bit, there's mm. been a lot of people playing on this whole Miami story. So you're going to see a lot of CGI of aliens crawling down the street was yeah. one I saw. Like that, that one right, is, So this is people creating this kind exactly, of thing. Exactly. To, to but yeah. what did coincide with that, though, on the same night, is there is a number of videos, uh, particularly on Twitter as well, of, of strange objects in the sky the same night as well and you can clearly see one kind of an orange globe that appears in the sky and then it changes shape and then it changes size and then it shoots up and then it comes back down again. So a lot of people tying the two incidents together. So you would imagine a huge police response to this, an absolutely huge one, over 200 cop cars um, responded to this. You also had a couple of police helicopters. There's some reports that the airport was shut down. Um, there's no confirmation on that. Some people argue that that didn't happen at all. Also, some claims that electricity in the area had been shut down. I doubt that because in every video you see everything is lit up. So right. I don't think okay. electricity was shut down. But you would imagine then with such a huge police response that the police would have had to have reacted to these rumours or speculation that's circulating about an alien visitation or whatever it was in the mall. And they have come out with a statement. Here's Officer Michael Vega from Miami PD. All right, guys. So just to address a few clips that are going viral on social media right now. First, our response to that uh, big incident in Bayside Marketplace. What happened was there was about 50 or more juveniles that were shooting fireworks at people. There was also some looting going on. So officers that were on that scene were having a little bit of trouble containing it. So they called what is called the Citywide 3, which every officer in the city responded. That's why you saw so much police presence for, for that call to contain that crowd. Now, there is now video going viral of 8 to 10 foot aliens walking around Bayside is actually just a person walking with a shadow. So I can confirm to you all here today right now that there are no aliens in Miami in Bayside Marketplace at the moment. So it's Friday. I hope you guys have a great weekend and stay safe. He doth protest too much, yeah, we think. you like the music I put behind yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, very subtle, Ali, yeah. very subtle. Yeah. But it's, it's a strange police response. And, and when it's you think just. like a fight of 50 lads isn't going to draw that kind of response so you wonder then what exactly happened and the fact that they would come out with a statement to say nothing happened there's an interesting video i saw on tiktok and it's of this young man who was getting reports of what was happening in in bayside mall in real time and he was live streaming at the time so he decided to ring his dad his dad he claims anyway is in the miami pd so he rang him 
and he FaceTimes him and, and he records it and you can see and he said, Dad, what's going on with, with this incident at the mall? And the, the father just says, I can't talk about it. And he said, but everyone's saying it's aliens. What, what's going on? What's the story? And he just says, I can't talk about it. And that's it. And it, it the video shuts off then. Now, that's what he claims. Of course, it's online, so we mm. don't know what's real and what's not. Um, but what a lot of people are saying, as I said, I've narrowed it down to about three videos that if this really did happen, these are probably the main three videos. So this is the one of the CCTV in the mall itself. You have that very short, very grainy mobile phone footage of the three black figures in the mall. And then you have that outside helicopter footage of what he was referring to there. He said it was just one person walking past in the shadow cast. But in that video, you can clearly see there were three distinct things walking together. But they don't look solid. They look almost like a mirage. And like that first man said, like it's computer generated and it's kind of pixelated or something. It's very strange and it's very hard to describe. But why is there only three videos? And the first witness that you heard gave an explanation as to why there isn't a lot more video footage of Mm. it or clearer footage. Here's what he had to say. You know, where's the footage? Where's the footage? Yeah, I know. Uh, I I don't have any footage. And I'll explain why. Because like, when I when I saw it, I was in complete fear. It's it was something that I, I completely froze, man. I froze. And I don't care who you are, I feel like when you're seeing something paranormal, it's different than when you're seeing a fight. Yeah, you'll probably want to record that and put it on World Star or whatever. When you see something paranormal, that's different. Because your reality, you can't comprehend what you're seeing. A fight, you kinda get it. Two people are fighting. You you can comprehend that. Something like this, none of us could comprehend. Your first instinct is like, it ain't to like take out your phone and start recording. Your first instinct is like, I've never seen this before. What is this? Is it going to hurt me or my family? That's my. That was my first number one priority. Yeah, and, and uh, the looting and the fighting, did that result, you think, from this event that happened? Possibly. 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 Yeah. And there yeah. were two arrests in that as well okay. and four people injured. But... With that, then, you would question the response with over 200 cop cars. So even though Miami PD, they accept that they were called to an incident, they say it was two separate incidents of looting and one of of teenagers fighting and setting off fireworks. The video that, I mean, Miami PD can't deny the response, the huge Mm. response, and he did refer to that in his statement. Mm. What was interesting was a statement uh, from a former cop. He's a New York cop, and you'll know that by by his voice. He's Danny Mino, and he's a former cop from New York. He gave his thoughts on the police response and that aspect to the story. I don't know if all of this is BS, okay? I'm going to give you my police perspective on this, okay? So take it however you want. Again, entertainment purposes only. But I can tell you this. 27 years as a cop. 27. Never did I see 200 police cars at any scene. Ever. So say there's a hundred police cars there, okay? If you have two cops in every police car, you have 200 cops there. Why would you need 200 cops for four kids fighting? Because that's what the call was for. So I'm not saying this is true. I'm not saying this is untrue. I'm just saying to me, that's a lot of cops. And they had the helicopter up, Supposedly, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is true. 
shut the airport down. Nobody could fly over. They shut the electricity down. I don't know, folks. I'm just hearing this. I don't know how true it is. I can tell you this. 27 years as a cop, we never send 200 police cars anywhere. <laughs> so I don't even know how they got 200 police cars. <laughs> Some people said they came from other jurisdictions. That's a guy called He's Danny, great, Danny he? Money. He sounds absolutely brilliant <laughs> yeah. there indeed. Yeah. So, but, but there is doubt as to whether or not the airport was shut down. For there is. Uh, it doesn't look like there is. Even mm. if you look at there was normal flight uh, patterns over the city at that time. So it doesn't look like the airport was shut down. It doesn't look like either the electricity was shut down because anything you see from footage during mm. or after would all show that there were lights there. Um, but it does raise the question, though. I mean, it was the first day of 2024 and you have a story like this breaking. Now, some would say it's maybe silly season over Christmas. It's quiet, so we're, we're finding stories where we can. But there are a lot of conspiracy theorists online who believe that this is the year that we're going to learn a lot more about UFOs or UAPs, as we call them now, unidentified aerial phenomena. And this follows on from the US congressional hearings last week that said a lot and that admitted that US government had a role and had knowledge in um, aircraft retrieval and UFO crashes as far back as the 1930s. Um, so there's a lot of discussion about why we're f starting to find out over the last maybe three years a lot more information and why is there this drip drip of information when it comes to UFOs. An interesting interview I saw and if you watch it all it'll scare the life out of you but Clayton Morris, he's a journalist and he's the host of the Redacted podcast. He gave his theory as to why we seem to be getting this drip drip of, of UFO stories. Here's what he said. The second thing that bothers me is the UFO story. And, uh, you know, the more you dig into that and talk to people with, knowledge, with actual knowledge of it, again, that's another story where there are some, you know, fanciful ideas floating around that are just, you know, there's no evidence that they're true. But if you talk to people who, you know, have actual knowledge of it that they gathered themselves, there are parts of that story that I do not understand at all that are really, really, really dark. It's so dark that I, you know, haven't told my wife about it. I mean, I, I haven't verified any of this, but this is not just stuff that I read on the internet. I know you all are very, very grounded in that story. So I think I know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But there's some stuff there that's just like, man, I, I'm not even sure what that means. There's a spiritual component there that I, I don't fully understand. Um, so yes, that story bothers me. And I think, last thing I'll say, that one of the reasons that we've had all the, these disclosures and all these, what, 10 whistleblowers at this point, and it hasn't really become front page news. Part of it's suppression. You know, parts of the government don't want you to know about it, but part of it is the public can't deal with it. It's too far out. The it's too far out. Yeah, and, and what uh, he says yeah. is that if people knew the truth about what was really behind UFOs, he said over 90% of people would be in hospital because they couldn't handle the truth of what it really is. He said he knows the truth. He said he's never told anybody because he doesn't want to terrify them because he said it changes your whole view on life and it changes your whole perspective. And he said he has never told anyone in his family because he doesn't want to frighten them. But he said we well, are. Was that an interview with uh, Tucker Carlson? With Tucker Carlson, oh, yeah. yeah, just yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. So he said we are going to see more of this kind of drip, drip of stories. Like what we're hearing from Miami will become more normal because we're being conditioned to get used to the fact that there are alien species coming to Earth and always have been. 
I don't know. I, I, I find it absolutely incredible. It certainly looks as if something strange happened there. Something I mean, happened it, in it, Miami. It doesn't. Yeah, but we yeah. don't know really what happened. And then, of course, with social media, while it's fantastic because you do get that knowledge yes. and those reports that we probably wouldn't have got gotten otherwise. But what it does then, it also creates a space for people to take advantage of that and mm. to create their own videos and to blow it up more than what it was completely. But if you're going to, to delve into this, as I said, there are three main videos that I think you should use to make up your own mind. It's that helicopter footage from the sky where you can see three things moving on the ground in front of cop cars. There's the, the CCTV footage essentially from the shop uh, where a kind of a light orb originates. And then you have that very grainy, very short mobile footage of these three black shapes standing in the middle of a what looks like a shopping mall. They are the three main videos if you're going to delve into All this. Right. I, I love to throw it back to you every single time. Go on. What what do you make of it? What, I, what's I, what's I your instinct very straight, on this? Like the fact that the reports from it were saying it was glitching and it like to me it seems like some kind of computer generation. Like was it some attempt to see what a reaction would be see, if this were to so happen? There's so many things you can do now. Completely. Um, I, I saw this thing with Elvis where they could actually yeah. put Elvis on stage with a band now yeah. with this uh, three-dimensional sort of thing. And it was, it was so realistic. Yeah, it was... completely. Now, the people did say that the alien or whatever they were did seem to be aware that they were there. So they were kind of interacting with them in, in a way or knew that they were there. But in all alien stories you would have heard, we've never heard anything like this. And even how they're described they generally fall into two categories, the greys or the reptilians. We've okay. never heard of these yeah. black kind of solid, huge figures. We've never heard of that. So yeah, it comes and, out and, of And what the waitress said about the, the cops firing shots over, over. over their heads. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I don't know if I believe that they were alien, but I do think something strange happened in Miami that's being covered up. Very good indeed. We're going to have to... Thanks for that, Ali. Thanks, uh, Fran. We'll have to play this. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair her mummy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go But her friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through her sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view And she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a saddening ball For she's lived it ten times Mickey Mouse has grown up a cow. And now 
struck for fame Cause Lennon's on sale again See the mice in their million hordes From Ibiza to the Norfolk broads Blue Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be written again As I ask you to vote for some singers Fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those cavemen go It's a freaky show Take a look at the And that's the big question, I suppose. Is there life on Mars, as posed there by uh, Ellie this morning with our conspiracy file for this week? Well, that's about it for me. Emma produced. Uh, Ali looks after our content and our conspiracy. Stephen is on the way with the uh, time tunnel. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.